Ladies and gentlemen, we're back. Real Deal Talk. And my guest today, and I know I've said this a million times, but this guest, I know the least amount of any guest that I've met so far. And the reason why is because he was referred to me by one of my other guests and another guy that I know, Brian, who owns, uh, he, he owns Off the Vine, off the vine Catering, right? And so Greg Howard is our guest today, ladies and gentlemen. Greg Howard, I just did a real quick kind of online search for his company, and it's One Family Athletics, which is a fascinating business model of helping young kids all the way from what age? Uh, grade school. Grade school. Yep. And it just you're teaching them. Just sum it up because we're going to come back around. Oh, yeah, but I have to plant the seed here. So give, give me one sentence on what you're doing with the kids. We take uh, grade school boys and girls athletes and develop them not just on the athletic side of things, but we do all the character development. And then we move them through if, if the opportunity arises all the way to the professional side. So wow. MLB, NFL. Beautiful. All right. Yeah. So there's your there's your seed planting, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to be. I cannot wait to dig into this, bro, awesome. because I really think as far as um, uh, pertinent topics and relevant topics these days, I don't think there's a more relevant topic than our children. One hundred percent. Right. 100%. Because the world is going awry right now. It's going astray, and the core values I believe are just you know going down the the tubes right now. Yep. And this this whole our whole legacy is our children. Period and end of story. So dude, I can't wait to dig into this, but now what we're going to do is we're going to get a quick word from our sponsor, which is also my family, Real Deal Sleep, which is right now, I don't know if I've said this before, but um, we started the company in a storage unit 18 years ago. I had an ad and the penny saver to my cell phone, and I was an x-ray technologist at night doing the graveyard shift, and then I'd get off during the day in my scrubs and go down to the storage unit in uh, Chula Vista, uh, public storage, never forget it, and I, had a, I literally would sell mattresses. It was a side hustle, slinging beds out of a storage unit 18 years ago. That's how this started. And now Real Deal Sleep is the highest-rated mattress store in the country on Yelp. That's, that's correct. I said that, that you, you heard me in the entire country. There isn't a single individual mattress store that has a higher Yelp rating than real deal sleep. So the reason I'm telling you this is because real deal sleep pays the bills, ladies and gentlemen, for real deal talk. So if you love the show, if you're a fan, I just went to men's prayer uh, with Awaken Church and uh, three different guys came up to me and said how much of a fan they are of the show. And I want you to tell you guys, you have no idea how much that means to me how much that humbles me, how much that keeps, how much that inspires me to keep going with what I'm doing here. So, and I can't thank you enough for tuning in, for listening. I know my podcasts are all long, so you deserve a, you're the real MVP if you're seeing, if you're seeing it through <laughs> for the whole hour and a half, two hours, whatever it is. So I can't thank you enough. I just want to tell you, but if you, if you really want to support the show, come down to Real Deal Sleep, go to the website, realdealsleep.com, buy a mattress, refer somebody to buy a mattress. And by the way, I do custom sleep systems that are zero gravity, which are going to um, maximize the repair process of the human body, increase your blood flow. If you have any snoring issues, I know how to help that with inclining um, in a zero gravity position with your bed. So guys, Real Deal Sleep, support the cause, go to the website, refer somebody. And once again, thank you from the bottom of my heart and write a review share the podcast just keep this flow going and now we are back with greg howard all right you ready bro i am i, I am. can't i dude i can't wait for this because i love talking about anything that involves the development of our children and the next generation 
I'm really pumped about. All right, but first let's let's get some context and find out how the heck you got to this business and how wh- where you got to this mission. So go back now. Where were you born and raised? I was born and raised in Yuba City, California, which is about 40 minutes above Sacramento. Yeah, okay. Yep. And then give me something about childhood. Like what, uh, you have brothers and sisters? No, no, just just me by myself. Only child? Oh, yeah. Okay. Just me by myself. Yeah, that's me too. I I grew up with a mom and dad. Uh, My dad decided to vacate and split Okay. um, at a very young age. It's funny. I I can remember the day he said he was going away. Oh, really? Yeah, it was probably... I think I was around three years old. It's four years old. I can remember that day yeah. standing wow. by this old gas furnace, and and he said, "I'm going to be going away for a while." And my mom just stayed silent, and uh, I didn't see him for a long time. My dad, uh, my dad, bailed on me and my mom, and it was tough. Uh, my mom was trying to find herself, was broke herself, you know, come from a tough past with my grandma and grandpa, and good family, but yeah. you know, old Irish. Scottish immigrants, man, hardcore, grew up on the railroad. My grandpa was a, he would raise my uncles and my mom and them on a boxcar. So they would move from job to job. No way. Yeah, crazy. So grew up in Colorado and then they made their way out. Um, had a pretty traumatic tragedy that brought them to California. My, my uncle and uh, his cousin were in a hunting accident and a gun actually went off and shot um, his cousin in oh a small God. town. So... You can imagine being in a small town and, and growing up in that time. And, and uh, my grandma and grandpa, you know, they, they were pretty tough on him through that. I, I, I can only imagine, um, you know, the shame and the guilt and all that and the perception of the town. And so they moved out to Yuba City. I think that was one of the, one of the reasons. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there was my mom and me, and I had an Uncle Mike. And my Uncle Mike, man, that guy has just stood in the gap for me growing up. He has been... He's why I do what I do a lot of times. I'm the father of the fatherless. And wow. uh, he uh, he was there for us. You know, I kind of got bounced around like most kids as single parent moms, right? You become the afterthought for, like, you get thrown on your uncles and aunts. You get thrown on your grandma and grandpa. So I had a very, uh, I had a big missing void. I had a, a father, a father wound that, that, you know, that wasn't, I wasn't validated. Yeah. Um, and it was tough. It was definitely tough looking back now um, where it took me and why I did a lot of things I did. And now, so you distinctly remember when he left. Yeah, I can remember that day. What did mom say to mom? My mom was real silent, you know? I mean, she was just really silent and he he told me. I can remember. I was just a little guy, man, and and he took off, man. He He bounced. He just didn't have the tools. My dad just, to this day, my dad doesn't have the tools that, and and so. When did you find out, how many years later did you find out, like, like re- like really what happened like he just actually left you guys yeah yeah he he moved on he got another wife and i, I think he had a you know i think he had an outside relationship mm-hmm. going on and stuff and uh and so so he moved on and then i ended up getting our our lives you know they they came back together about uh, probably junior high sixth grade yeah so yeah so it was crazy because uh he moved to ohio and I was always looking for him, you know? You were. I mean, yeah, geez. I mean, it's crazy how us as, as, us as sons, man, we need our fathers. Yeah. And uh, how important it is, not just sons, but daughters as well. I mean, we, we're we there to validate and, and, and give identity, just like, just like God does. I mean, ultimately, right? God yeah. gives us our identity. And great fathers give great identity, and bad fathers, you know, there's a lack of identity. Totally. So... I get this hair that I go out to visit him, right? And I'm going to move in. He's, 
I'm, <laughs> what age was this? So this is about sixth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade. Your mom was, was your mom for this? Uh, no, she told me don't do it. And he had already had a family. He had three, three stepkids. No way. Yeah. So, so he had already had a wife and three kids and, and, but I wanted to. So they like, weren't his biological no, kids. Okay. No, got no. it. She had had three kids. So I, I, I go there and I'm like, man, I want to, I want to, I want, I want my dad, but my dad, I mean, I remember moving there and he was like, couple things this is my this is my stuff don't touch it he made that very clear yeah. <laughs> like you know basically i just i just lived there and and i had already had a lot of issues i had a lot of issues man yeah. i i just i was always looking for validation always looking you know i was a class clown yep typical right yep. <laughs> like looking for the laugh and and so i moved in with him and uh never never the guy worked all night you know worked graveyards i didn't see him much at all um, what did he do he worked for this, uh, it's called HPM. It was in Ohio and it was like, uh, they made these casts and stuff for like Honda and just different things. Cause Honda was based out of Marysville. Yeah. And so, but I didn't see him much. I mean, I'd see him at church and it was crazy. I'd go to church and, and it was crazy. I'd get out of the car and it was like a different dude. He'd come up to me around my friends. Hey son, you know, it was insane. You'd be like, who is this guy? Like, this is not, yeah. this is not my dad. Like he was the happy go lucky at church. No, no, I mean, I'm telling you, we get in the car, no more than 500 feet. He's turning around, you know, about ready to hit all of his kids in the back seat. There's four kids yeah. in the back seat. So, so, he, so he put on a facade. Yeah, put on this facade, and it was like, whoa, who is this guy? Because he didn't act like that the rest of the time. He's so very, so did, you, did you guys go to church every Sunday? Oh, every Sunday, man. We were in church every wow. Sunday, knew everybody. He would put on this facade, and then, then he was just a very different man. Wow. Home. Yeah. He wasn't... Um, I mean, he would put, he put his hands on me. He did teach me one of the best lessons though. Okay. Best what? lessons. Here they are. So we had this garden and, and I had a problem with leaving rakes, the, the tongs of the rakes up in oh, the yard. Geez. So I'd leave that tool upside down and he stepped on that thing one day <laughs> and it, you know, came up and whacked him. So he calls me over and goes, Greg, you know, I've told you, he goes, I want you to step on this thing. All right. So you can understand why we don't leave rakes over turned up, you know, the tongs. Dude, I go to step on that thing, and he just, bam, he hits that thing, and that rake comes up and just busts me right in the face. One of the best lessons I've ever learned, because on a job site, I worked construction through college, yeah. and just I never left a rake or a shovel turned over. I'd go around on the job sites turning stuff over because I, you know, I was taught you don't do that, you know? So, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, Unbelievable. So, yeah. All right, so, so, so what made you want to move, like, you know, to 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 him yeah. that that to me is crazy in itself like you, what was mom saying she just don't do it like like yeah yeah i think i you know honestly i think uh i just wanted a dad yeah my mom my mom was out and, and a lot of single moms do this but i mean my mom would bring dudes home i'd hear her having sex yeah. you know like like horrible things like yeah kid things your kids shouldn't have to hear but my mom She's just trying to find me a dad or find something or find somebody to provide during that time. I mean, it's much different time, right? Yeah. But I think a lot of kids go through that. Um, I see it. Yeah. I see it in our business. Yeah. I think that's why I'm so passionate about what I do, and that's why the lane I'm in. But but ultimately, uh, my mom did the best she could do. My mom was, dude, I mean, we were broke. Man. We ate popcorn on Sundays for dinner. Like We were really, I mean, we were substantially, I never got to play any youth sports um, at all. We oh, really? Afford it. No, Nothing. No. I'd pull up tube socks, man, as a kid, you know, those old, remember those red and blue tube socks and pull them up over my jeans and go out and throw a baseball. 
you know, I never got to go play. I never got to go play little league. We couldn't afford it. it. Just, just that was out of the question. So no sports at all. No, which is crazy because I get to Ohio, speed up to junior high. Now they have athletics in junior high and middle school. There, you play tackle football. There's no pop Warner. You play for your junior high. You play for school yeah. at school, wrestling, everything. Right, and uh, so I get there, and um, I've always been a good athlete, but I was. I got into organized sport and became supernatural. Uh, my seventh grade year, never wrestled in my life ever. Went out for basketball, started doing liners, you know, those suicides. Yeah. And I was like, peace out. <laughs> I'm like, <Yeah. laughs> I'm like, I don't need that. <laughs> right. Um, but, but I get to, I get to fall football and man, I just have a gift at running the ball. 27 quick pitch, 27 out yeah. Yeah. to the house. I mean, I would get to the, I was just so fast. I started getting fed through the teachers, man, validation. Cause I, the validation I got before was I got in trouble. I got right. in trouble at yeah. school, yeah. but now I'm getting principals. The school's holding me up saying, Hey, how many touchdowns this week? You know? And it's like, Whoa, what's this? It's like, Whoa, this is, this feels different. Yeah. Instead of getting in trouble. Right. And have an amazing football year. Uh, I, I don't lose a, I don't lose a match. I don't think I lost a match my seventh grade year in wrestling. No kidding. I just, do you remember what weight you were wrestling? Uh, 113. No, <laughs> I was probably yeah. a 13 pounder. Yeah. 15 pounder. Yeah. Very talented though. I was a headhunter. My whole family are wrestlers. So from Colorado, I mean, we have a genius. So you had it in you. I, it's in the DNA. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like my, but, but all I heard was how great my uncles were, how great my uncles were, <sighs> how great my uncles were. And I was like, well, I'm going to beat because I had, my uncle was hard on me. My uncle Bob, uh, you know, he's just passed on, but he was tough, man. He'd put soap in my mouth. You know, he had a, he was a Mormon. So he had a big family, very strict, very religious, a lot of rules, right? And then here comes Greg Howard around his kids. So you got this wild nephew, and you know, God, God forbid, you're gonna mess my kids up, right? So, and he had to deal with me the way he had to deal with me. He did the best he could yeah. do. And and where was this at? Where, this, where were you? This was at that time. It was in Yuba City, up north, yeah, okay. because my dad was gone, and yeah. and I was living with him part time, going to school, and you know, kindergarten, first grade, second grade. And so you're living with him part time. This is before you moved yeah, to to Ohio. To Ohio. So I was a little guy. Yeah. So and I, so yeah. you said lived with him part time. What about your mother? Weren't you? living with her the whole time no no oh, man my mom would disappear she would yeah my mom was you know she was out you know just trying to find herself yeah that was tough yeah that was tough but and it's it caused a lot of issues so what do you mean yeah, disappear a couple days three five a week whatever she'd be out would she tell you that she's going no no she just dropped me off at my uncle oh she dropped you off okay and i was living there and then she'd come pick me up on a sunday and we'd go home and watch disney remember disney on oh, sunday yeah. nights yeah popcorn and disney with my mom you know and then I'd go a couple days and then you know who knows right so then she would just leave yeah and yeah. drop you at uncle bob's yeah, uncle bob's or my uh, or my, mike yeah my uncle mike <clears throat> at that time was in college but that guy would you know always checking on me and he's just great great man great man yeah. and so your uncle would was he like what like was he all for this? Like, okay, no, yeah, I'll, I'll I mean, watch no, him. No, I don't think anybody is. That's a lot right? to put on. Yeah, I don't think anybody is. I, I honestly, uh, I think the family set up a certain way. We're meant to have a mom and a dad, and we're meant to be healthy, right, and thriving yeah. like God would like us to. But because we make a lot of decisions, stuff we affect a lot of people. And yeah. when you start to constantly being being you know shoved on your grandma and grandpa, they already raised their kids, right? And you got yeah. this wild kid, and then. You know, I'm just acting out. I'm trying to find anything I can. I'm a good kid, but 
I've got I've got a huge gaping wound. Yeah, you that got, needs to be filled. You need major attention because you, you've got I none. I need a father. Yeah, I need a yeah. father, and, and so, so wow. Yeah, so you know I. I've got all these people stepping in here and here, school counselors. I'm on Ritalin. You know, I didn't need Ritalin. No. I needed a father. Yeah. I didn't need Ritalin. Half these kids don't need, they don't need all this stuff, ADHD, all that. They need a father who's anchored, who's validating, who tells them they love them. And now listen, would you uh, put put that clo- little closer? There you go. No, t- so turn it towards you a little bit. There yeah. you go. Perfect. You so, go. so before we get too deep into this, I want to ask this since you brought it up. Yeah. Would you say that the majority of the issues with children, is it just boys or is it also girls? Like as far as all the medication that's being distributed, oh, you, he's ADHD, they need Ritalin. Because I mean, it's so prevalent, yeah, right? Yeah, I, I think if if I'm speaking from my own, just from my own perception and yeah. what I do for a living. Yeah, right. Um, Man, and we've always had, we've always been in the craziest neighborhoods. So when we, when I had elite fitness and we'll talk about elite fitness, but when I had elite fitness, we worked in the Heights up in Sacramento. And so we were around, um, a lot of black athletes, right. And, and you start to understand your identity, right? Like your identity becomes being an athlete, right? If you look at an Asian kid, most people stereotypes, they're smart in what? Right. Math. Math. Right. You look at a black, a black male. What are they? Sports. Great athletes. Right. But there's so much more they have to offer the world. Yeah. And that's what the power of our company is. We've come in and filled those gaps and let them know, hey, outside of all this, yeah. you are unique, you're powerful, you're brave. And um, and so understanding that, understanding that these validation, you know, we always talk about girls with daddy issues. Yeah. There's more men walking around with daddy issues than there are girls. Wow. I mean, right? And so, and, and our job is men. I have a daughter who's getting married this next year. Oh, and, wow. And I've always dated her. I've always loved her. Even through our through the failures that I've made, I've always been upfront with her. So we, I've, I've always poured into her life. And it comes from not having a father. It's funny as us guys without the fathers, right? We usually are the best fathers. Yeah. Right. I mean, the truth is, like, and we're not the best. We're not perfect, but we're usually, excuse me, we're usually the best. We're not perfect, but. But it's powerful, right? That's what I'm so, seeing because yeah. because I didn't have a dad either. It's powerful, man. Yeah, mine was completely I mean, gone. Some of your former guests, like you know, you had Brent on here, yeah. And I train his little guys, and I'll tell you what, man, what a what a father, what a father. Yeah, I mean, dude, Colin, what yeah. a father. Like, yeah. there's some stallion stud men who stand in the gaps who develop, and I, I I'm uh, and those are examples for me too, right? I'm always looking to get sharpened, yeah, because I don't have every answer. So yeah, so back to your question, yeah. I, I definitely believe that. I definitely believe that. I definitely believe validation makes you do things, right? When you're not loved and you're not anchored in love and know who you really are, you'll do things outside your character because you got to get filled. And we'll all go look for love. I mean, our boys go look for love, man. If they don't get love at home, they'll start to look at love in relationships. Um, That's why we have, I mean, if you remember growing up, I don't know if you remember, like, You remember the kid who was one week he was a gangster, right? Yeah. Next week he's a break dancer. One week he's a country guy, right? He's the cowboy. Yeah. Because we're searching. Yeah. We're searching. Gangs, whatever it is, we're searching for love and, and validity. Totally. All the time. Yeah. So. All right. So, and we're going to get back on that yeah. again. So, yeah. uh, but I wanted to hit on it real quick when you just mentioned it. Okay. Yeah. So, going back, you said that you were, they gave you Ritalin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And all you needed was a father. Yeah. I just needed a dad to anchor me and say, and, hey, you're, you're enough. You're enough. enough. And so do you remember taking this medication? I do. I mean, I remember not taking it. I remember taking it. It it just made me, it made me a different person. I think, 
you know, I, th- I look back now and I'm like, man, uh, I, I, a lot of, a lot of my stuff stemmed from my dad, you know, and my mom, you know, it's like, man, why, why was I not good enough? Right. Did, I, did I chase you guys away? What was it? You know, what was it? What was it that you didn't love me enough? And what really started to anchor was about junior high. Cause I started, I was very well known in our community. And, and if you know anything about Ohio football's huge, yeah, uh, you got Ohio state, Michigan, um, wrestling's huge. I mean, it's massive and we fill out gyms. So I was already being, I was starting to get noteworthy. My eighth grade year, I had 27 touchdowns, wow. uh, MVP wrestling. I, I walked through everybody in wrestling. I was, I was already on the go and my dad didn't show up for one game. Not one game. Not one game. Not one game, man. Not one game. He didn't show up for all my awards. So our graduation, they announced the MVPs. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Eighth grade graduation is packed, two different middle schools. And I got MVP, never showed up. Never showed up, man. He never could pull himself to showing up. I don't know what it was. Wow. And it, it, that was a start right there where I went, wow, this something's up. Something, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with you. Me. Something wrong with me. Wow. This dude can't show up to these games. He's dude. All the dads where he works at, they're at a big plant. It's all blue, blue collar dudes. Yep. They're all talking about me. I know because yes. because the dad, the dads are trying to fill the gap for me. Other dads, my teammates' dads. They they were you know those are all those dads right that yes. stand in there when the kid and so it's crazy how what, what did you yeah. ask him why no we didn't have those conversations man he just wasn't that dude or, or did you say hey daddy come in this game i tried just never i gotta work all this i mean he, he had the opportunity he well just, he, he just, when yeah. you really want to do something you you find you do a way it, right yeah it's it. that simple yeah we do what we want to do that's right so it's, it's the most simple yeah. yet profound and accurate statement ever when you really want to do something you figure out a way 100 percent yeah. 100%. Wow. I and, cannot believe he didn't go to one yeah, game. Not yeah. one. So my freshman year comes up and, uh, I, we're, I'm pretty unhappy as a kid. I'm, uh, I'm already starting to find my value through relationships with girls, you know, um, but it's all, it's broke. Yeah. It's empty. It's not who I am. Right. Um, I'm starting to go, okay, I'm on the journey now. I'm going to break every, every record my uncle and my family has. I'm going to smash it. That's, that's what's driving me. Yeah. So it's broke. Um, I move out to back to California. So that, so you, it, I leave going into freshman year, freshman year. I'm there in Ohio. Kill it. I'm in, I'm talking like I broke varsity lineup as a freshman in Ohio, which is big in wrestling. That's crazy. I actually smashed his senior. Yeah. I mean, he balled, he balled his eyes out. <laughs> so it was crazy, but I was a wild guy, man. I, I, my coach called me pepperoni. That was my nickname. And they would make me stand up in, and uh, and uh, we had this study hall, and they go, "Hey, pepperoni," and I'd be like, "Yeah," and they made me stand up. And why do we call you pepperoni? And I'd go, "Cause I'm a meathead." I'd have to say that. My wrestling coach was like, and they everyone would laugh, but I hated it. Right? Yeah. Um, I got hung up my freshman year by the rafters. They tied my feet together, hung me up, red bellied me, and then tackled, used me as a tackling dummy. And the coach set it up. Yeah, because I was cocky. Right. And he was going to take me down a notch. I mean, this is what coaches did back then, right? Yes. And, oh, yeah. And he comes in the wrestling room, and it's dead <laughs> quiet. I got tears in my eyes. I'm, I got beat down. I'm talking beat down. Yeah. But I was loved by the seniors, too. Um, and, yeah, man, I, I, the journey, you know, wrestling is crazy. So yeah. I wrestled for a couple of years. Yeah. It's, um, and, and in Ohio, it's different, man. It's a way of life. Like, oh, it's, yeah. I came to California. So for my freshman year, I moved to California. I mean, I walked through 
I was like, no one showed up. You might have 10 people at the match, right? Yeah. But hence my mom. My mom shows up. She's the she's the team mom. Um, I I'm always been very likable everywhere I went. I I would hang out. My my teachers would be like, "How do you hang out with the Val? You know, the kids with the straight A's. Why do they hang out with you? Why do they like you?" It, it bugged them. Yeah. You know, and and uh, so I move out here, and and immediately everyone knows me. I'm already being recruited. So wrestling inside. So it's like. Um, so wait. So yeah. what made the the decision to move out? I was done. Yeah. I was done. I, I, I went and tried to find him and he wasn't there. The dude wasn't there. He just, he just wasn't there. And so you, did you say dad, I'm leaving? Or? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What did he say? I, okay. I whatever. Him. Yeah. He was like, peace out. He was, he, he had enough too. I put them through some stuff, you know, yeah. with school. And so he had had enough. And, uh, my stepmom was awesome, man. She, she was. was awesome. Yeah. Always stood by me. But you know, my dad was a big figure in that family. I mean, when, when your dad, when your dad, uh, puts his authority in a bad way, no one talks. Everyone's silent. We sit around. I mean, I dude, he'd knock my elbows off at the plate. That's how I interacted with him. It was never, "Hey, how you doing, son? I love you." It was no. always, always just correcting you, and not talking much. So he was very, you know, everyone was quiet. You walk on eggshells. So wow, yeah, crazy. Okay, so then you're like, all right, I'm moving back. I'm Did moving you say, back. Mom, I'm coming back? Yeah, yeah, and she was happy. She had just gotten married, so you know, she wanted me back. It was very hard for her, me being gone. Yeah. You know, she had a lot of, I think she had a lot of guilt and stuff from years past. And so we merged this family and then I'm a wild dude. Like I'm the type of kid you come home. There's, there's 50 kids at the house. Kids are on the roof. Like I was, our house was the spot to be at. Yeah. And my mom, man, she, she taken, I mean, I had, so my friend that just passed away, he played for the Dallas Cowboys, Montreal Williams. We probably put, I don't know how many kids in the league in the NFL, me and this guy alone. We same exact past. He, my mom's like, he's moving in with us. Cause we'd come home from practice and Montreal's family would be packed up and moved to another hotel. This guy, yeah. and this guy was a stud. I mean, I'm talking, I mean, played in the league. Yeah. My mom finally said enough. He's going to live with us. We'll buy him clothes. We'll take care of him. And he had a great, you know, his mom was awesome too, but she wanted something solid for him. So he moved in. So my mom had like four division one athletes in the house. We're drinking a gallon of milk a day, <laughs> you know, like, but my mom's there, man. She's in the gap for all of us young dudes. And we're crazy. I mean, we're just, I can only imagine out of control. Yeah. Like our school that we went to very lower SES. So very poor. Uh, it's, it's very poor school. We're set up to lose. Yeah. Set up to lose. Yeah. Um, so yeah, man. So I'm playing sports. I'm playing football. I'm wrestling our football league. I mean, this is our football league. Ray Kruth, Teddy Bruschi, these guys are in our league. Like Montreal, Rand, I mean, all these guys. Our guys, we got guys going to the NFL. Like just in our area in Sacramento, it's it's a hotbed. Wow. And so, it's awesome. Like I'm, I mean, I'm I'm getting into my own. I'm lifting. I'm looking, you know, different, right? It's funny too about being an athlete is that when you get a little bit of muscles, everybody thinks, oh man, I'm not messing with that guy. He's a fighter. Yes. And I never wanted to fight. I mean, I'd fight if I had to. Yeah. But inside me, I was a broken little dude, you know? Yeah. And it's funny how people, the yeah, stereotypes, right. right? Like, you know, I mean, I was 14150, but I was jacked. I, mean, I was cleaning 275. Wow. At 140. Like, because you get to college, you're at my weight, people are benching 320 at 148 pounds. That's a standard. Yeah. So. So yeah, so so I'm 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 having accolades. I'm I'm doing better. I'm not the best student at all. Not the best student at all, man. Like 2.0 barely, you know, am I eligible? Am I eligible? Yeah. And back then, I don't know if you remember Prop 48. Prop 48 
Do you, do you, do you remember that term? I don't remember. You could still go to college and qualify for a scholarship on Prop 48, which means as soon as you get off the bus or get to school, you're on academic probation immediately. So you didn't have to score like a minimum 1,200 on the SAT at that time. Right. Prop 48 allowed athletes to get in, which was horrible because it created a bunch. I mean, uh, that's where you come. Now you got guys graduating who are engineers. You know, I mean, it's much different. Oh, yeah. You got back in my day, they just qualified dudes to get to school and you just played for the program. Most of the guys didn't graduate football, you know, whatever it was, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I get in my junior year. I'm doing really well um, cruising through. And kind of trying to make decisions. I'm getting recruited. I got schools like Arizona, Oklahoma, like good schools. But wrestling in California is a joke at that time. It's not like it is now with Poway and Buchanan and yeah. some of these schools, right? We're we're on the scene. And so um, I go to the Nationals my senior year. Let me let me speed. The, let me hold on. Let me go back. My senior year in wrestling, uh, a week before this happens, this t- horrible tragedy. Uh, my wrestling coach, um, we decide we're going to wine and dine our whole wrestling team. So we go to Denny's, you know, and we're going to wine and dine. We're not going to pay a dime, right? We're going to, we're going to eat and all of us are going to get like, some of us can get back on the bus. We know more than get back on the bus and the chef comes running out, the manager, you know, no one's paid, no one's paid. Right. And our, our wrestling coach at that time was fired up. He was mad. And uh, we had, you remember those little, uh, those little things you'd push and they'd go, eat crap, you effing jerk. You know, yeah. I don't know if you remember those. They're yeah. like these little cussing things. He gets on there and he's like, you guys who didn't pay and all these, you know, he's fired up in the front and someone pushes that button, man. And he comes barreling down the back of the bus and I stick my foot out and I trip him. Boom. He goes down like a, I mean, like a brick, right? Jumps up and just starts punching kids. He's, he lost his mind. He loses his mind, man. And, and we're just like, us kids are like, whoa, right? So we have to come off the bus. People have to pay for their food. A week later, this guy, he's a good dude. Um, he's at a clinic and these two guys are smoking. And it's a hospital clinic. And they're like, hey, uh, he goes, hey, man, put it out. You know, put it out. And these two dudes, they end up stabbing him in the heart and killing him. What? Yeah, crazy. So my wrestling coach, my senior year, gets murdered. And This is the same guy. Yeah, this is going into state, too. This is like a week. This is the guy that freaked out about the. Not paying. Not paying. He was a good dude, but, you know, we were wild kids. And then a week later. A week later, he stabbed in the heart at this clinic. So he told these two guys, hey, you need to stop smoking. And they're like, you know. And they get in this altercation with him and boom, stab him. And he dies right there. Oh my yeah, God. 20, 27 years old. He was young, young guy, man. So that wrecked us. Man. Wow. Our team is like, and we got no coach. So I'm showing up running practices. Uh, and so that happens wow. and I do, I don't do well. I don't do well. Two weeks going in the state. Um, and, and, and I'd like to tell you this crazy story. It's awesome. But two, two weeks ago, I get hired by Oakmont High School in Sacramento. So they fly me up there and I train their wrestling team. I lost my section championship there at that high school. So I was able to go there two weeks ago. This is crazy. And talk to these kids about taking the moment in time, taking this moment and what do you got to lose, right? And stepping up. So I give them, you know, what we do is our character development, but we're getting ready to do some really hard stuff on the field as well, conditioning. And I was able to tell them that story, how I came to their high school I was able to point where I gave them this conversation. We were having this conversation. I pointed 20 feet away where I walked out there. I can remember where I walked out there. My senior year was, I just gotten beat and dejected. And I was able to tell them that story. And you should have seen it, man. The light come on. It was powerful. Wow. I can't believe it. Powerful. It was powerful. And I, and so going into that, my section, I, I lose the channel. We'll go, you know, 
it was tough. It was tough. So then I, I, um, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I mean, I end up, I end up going to state and I end up doing all that stuff, but, but I lost there and I had a goal and the state champion was in my weight class that year. So I lost a pretty tough match. It was dejecting. I was number one in the Sacramento, uh, Cal, they used to have the sack B yeah. number ones. So I was number one going into that and I just didn't do what I needed to do because I didn't take care of business. Mm. You got to take care of business, right? Yeah. And, um, so speed up, man, comes May. I'm going to my senior year, already choosing where I'm going to go. Fresno, I'm, I'm pretty sure I want to go to Fresno State. I'm going to commit there. Um, and it's during the Rodney King riots. So uh, it's L.A. riots. Yeah. Rodney King had just gotten you know beat down. And I'm in the classroom, and I hear a, it sounds like a firework go off. But but it was lot, it was different right it was different and then boom 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 and more fireworks and I'm like well what someone protesting against Rodney King because that was kind of the big thing at that point right yeah. the L A riots were cranking so that's what I'm thinking so I run out and we're in this huge multi-purpose room I mean it's two stories there's probably 200 classrooms in that multi-purpose room they wow. all empty out into the center does that make sense yeah. like kind of like a big rectangle two levels. I run out and I look through the library and I watch everybody wave over to the door like a wave, man. Yeah. And then I watch everybody wave back. So I'm like, oh no, something's bad. Something's going bad. So I run back to my classroom and now it's gunshots. It's gunshots. And it's it's out of control. I mean, um, I I remember my teachers were just so scared. And and, and it's not just one classroom. It's yeah. there's probably eight hundred kids in this building. Were people screaming? Was oh, it? dude, people were running so fast, JD. They were running so fast, they were falling on their faces. You know, like the cartoons? Yeah. Just like yeah. that. It looked just like that. Um, so I run over my my girlfriend at that time. I run over her classroom, and there's two entrances going in this little room. I go in the back one, her teacher's out. And I'm like, what's going on? We're, we're, we're kids, man. We, we have no idea. And... I turn around and he's in my face, her teacher, and he's bleeding out his neck. He's trying to hold on to the, the blood's coming through his hands. And he's like, help me. And me and my, <laughs> me and my girlfriend at the time, Lucy, were like, wow. Like, we're like, whoa. And this other kid's with us, Wayne Boggess. This kid was brilliant. Already, as a junior, he'd already got a, a special promo into the Air Force Academy. He was, he was on his way. So we run to the door. I'm like, uh, you know, I'm just like, I've never seen anything like this, right? Like wow. I, I hunt and fish and all that. Um, and we go to run out. We're going to run out. And as we're running across this little hallway thing, the teacher slams the door on us. She locks her class down. And we get pinned down, me and her. And this kid, Wayne, that was with us, he's just frozen out there. And this guy's shooting rooms up. So this guy's going through the school he goes, he's in my classroom at that time, yeah. shooting my class up, shooting the, I mean, he just, he was, he, he was, you know, he was going crazy. And so I'm, I'm like, wow. So we're standing up and I hear him say, get out, get out. he's telling people to get down. And Wayne doesn't get down, man. And probably from 10 feet, he shoots him right in the face and the chest with a 12 gauge. Boom. And it was just like hunting. I mean, he went up like five feet in the air, lands down. He's having convulsions. This is like 10 feet away from us. And I'm like, whoa, right? Good and Lord. Yeah. So I lay down. Both of us are laying down. And I remember, and this is going to sound funny, but, you know, being an athlete and, and being in shape, I'm like, man, if I just squeeze my butt cheeks, 
Like, if he shoots me in my butt cheeks, I'll be all right. <laughs> you know, like my, my, my thinking so scrambled at that point, right? So he goes in this classroom right next to us, kills one of my friends, just kills him. Um, he'd already killed some people. Yeah. Um, and he comes out and puts the gun on me and Lucy. And, and I look up and I'm like, here we go. This is it, man. And I squeeze, I literally put my head down and just squeeze the cheeks. I'm like, oh man. And he makes this grunt noise and runs up the stairs. So you, you got the bottom stairs, all craziness is going on, man. And then you got all these other kids upstairs that can't get down. I mean, there's only like two, two or three dr- stairs down out of there. And he drops his gun at the top of the stairs. So I grab, I'm going to run out and he drops his gun. So I go back and lay back down real quick and man, my heart's beating, but it's like, I can remember that day and, 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 uh, he gets his gun, runs back upstairs and I grab Lucy and we're out, man. I drag her all the way across the parking lot. I'm like, I'm gone. We get out. Um, I jump in someone's truck. I mean, people are just bailing everywhere. Like it's chaotic. I get to this gas station, this CHP pulls up on me. He's loading his gun. He's racking his gun. What's going on? Where's this happening at? Cause it, it was chaotic. And I tell him and he, boom, he's gone, man. I mean, he's loading as, as he's driving. It was insane. I can remember that too. And, um, so, um, man, I, I look back on that. I, I remember that day too. Like I had my, my teammate, Jason, my white was killed in that shooting and his mom kept coming up to me at the middle school. Cause we're all there. We're yeah. they offloaded us all there. And, uh, she's like, I, I, Jason dead. Jason's dead. I, I think he's dead. Did you see him in there? And I'm like, no, no, no. And she just poor, I mean, poor lady. She just came up to me probably 20, 30 times, just tears. Yeah. And he, he had passed on, he'd gotten killed in there. So, so yeah. Man. So the guy had come back, he was a, he'd graduate. He didn't graduate. As a matter of fact, he, he was a, his life kind of came off the rails and he came back to take care of business because the civics teacher had flunked him. His Are you serious? Year. And he did, he killed him. He killed another girl, shot my mom, one friend, uh, right next to her, right in the face. I mean, he, not to get too graphic, but yeah. he came in and handled business, man. And he just worked through that whole building. And we were the first high school shooting. The only reason it's not, it's 1992. It's not known because Rodney King overshadowed everything. I mean, it was just, they told us, you don't have to come back. He ended up shooting, I think 33 and killed four. I know he killed four. I don't know. He shot a lot of people. He blew my friend's bicep completely off. I mean, like he did, he did work. Wow. Holy cow. I didn't, I didn't see this story coming. Yeah, it was. Ah, man, it's, you talk about PTSD. And this was 1992 1992. in Fresno. No, no, this was at Lynnhurst High School. So right above Sacramento, all of California. So 92, Lynnhurst High School. Um, And, and yeah, I mean, um, I was on my way. I had just come back from nationals and I might wrestled against, like, I got to see John Smith, Pat Smith. I'm wrestling on the same mats at that time. And and that, that tournament at that time was just crazy. My co-founder now was there wrestling too. He's a, you know, yeah. talk about Vi in a minute, but, um, we're, we're there. And I mean, I place really high there do really well. I come home. I'm like, yeah, I know where I'm going. And then boom, the shooting happens. And this is a month before graduation. So the, the wall, the wheels just fall off. I got nosebleeds every night. The stress was just, you imagine like you have this much patience in life and it's zipped down to here. That's what it felt like, yeah. like my stress. And, and we didn't know what PTSD was. The counselors didn't know what high school shootings were. There were none. Yeah. I don't, wow. I, don't, I don't think there was one high school shooting before that. I mean, there's been shootings and mass shootings. Yeah. But, um, so, and so, so what, what, like, what was the, like, how long were you guys out of school? How long did they keep you? They told us we didn't even have to come back. 
Yeah. I mean, imagine being out graduation practice and there's guys walking out to practice and you're like, you shouldn't even be graduating, but you got lucky, <laughs> you know, luck. <laughs> it was like, they let people graduate. They just tried to socially, they socially promoted everyone. You know, it was horrible. It was a month before that. They, they, I went back though. I had like two weeks before graduate and then they're like, you don't have to come back to school. I'm like, no, I got to come back. I got to walk through this. I knew I, I knew yeah. I had to internally. So, so, what, so what happened with the uh, with the wrestling though? Did you wrestle anymore? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ended up going to college. Um, um, I had to like stay for that in, high school though. Like that? Uh, no, that, that was done. That was it. That was it. Was in wrestling was already done by that point. February it was done. This happened in May, but but it was it was uh, it was done. I mean, I was getting ready. I had to go. I had to figure things out. I thought I was leaving to go to school, and I couldn't. I had to stay and testify against the guy. So they gave him my money up. The coaches from the you know the the agreement that I had. It, it just was like it's not going to work. I can't report to wrestling. They got it. They need money. I mean, that's how they do scholarships, right? They, yeah. And so, so it was tough, man. That was tough because I, I. But I again, that was all my whole identity. I was this wrestler, right? Yeah. I wasn't. I didn't know who Greg Howard was. Um. So, so I I ended up going to Sac City, uh, junior college there. Very high. Very you know baseball, football. Very high. It's a very um. It's like a last chance U type university. Everybody yeah. should have been a D one. And so we won a state champ. We were loaded. And we had so many Division One scholarships off our team. Football was the same way. Yeah. So we're all there. You know, we're just a bunch of meatheads. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so I'm going there. And then, and then um, yeah, I, it was crazy. Like, I, I, I look back now, and, and I, I get to my junior year, and I've broken every record. Every, I've smashed every record. And from my high schools to my family records. And I get to my junior year and I'm like, well, I've done it all. I've already beat all these guys. I'm wrestling at the highest level, you know, like, you know, division one. It's like, it's like, but it, well, for what? It wasn't me. Yeah. It wasn't who I was, right? I just wanted to beat their records. I didn't even like wrestling. It just happened to be a vehicle that paid for school or, you know, yeah. or got me accolades, right? And um, I was done. I was empty, but I was still broke. The, 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 the wound wasn't fixed yet. Right. The wound wasn't fixed. And so my girlfriend from high school, uh, ended up becoming my wife. Oh, wow. Yeah. High school. And, uh, and we had when, right out of college or right. We, we about our second year in college, we got married. Yeah. And then within about a year, year and a half, we had a little baby. So I'm imagine I'm wow. wrestling. I got a little girl, um, Kayla and I have no tools. I'm a good father, but I mean, I'm, 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 I'm just, I'm just, I'm just doing what I can. I'm flying by the seat of my pants. Right. Um, and she was awesome, man. She really changed me, but it wasn't enough. Having a kid is not always enough to change you internally as a man. And I had a lot of voids and I seeked out relationships outside my marriage, um, that I was broken. I was broken. It wasn't enough just to have KK and be like, oh, it's my daughter and I'm going to change my life for this kid. Yeah. I just don't believe that happens. Um, mm. Sometimes it does. Right. Right. And sometimes that's enough, but it wasn't being dealt with. And I had a best friend, Lance Ely. This guy was a stud, man. His dad was a barber. They're Pentecostal preachers. He had like five generations of preachers. Right. And yeah. Lance was crazy. Lance would invite me to church every Sunday but I would put him off, you know, and, and I would go with him once in a while, you know, and this guy was so crazy. Lance, he was just, you know, best friend and he's still my best friend. We just talked last week and we're just so close. And 
I remember one year, you know, imagine this Pentecostal church and it's about 105, right? On a Wednesday night at church and we're, everyone's sweating in this place, right? And they got the music going, right? And we go to go in the, go in the aisle, the altar, or not the altar, but the aisle to go sit down. And there's this behemoth of a woman. She's probably 350, right? And I'm like, there ain't no way I'm holding hands because they hold hands in service. So I push him in there and I'm laughing the whole time, right? And we're all holding hands and music's going. And this is Lance, just to give you... As soon as the song's done, I start laughing at him. He takes that wet, sweaty hand from that woman and wipes it right across my face oh, in church. And that was the kind of relationship we had. I mean, he was a wild dude. He played drums and shake his head at me from the playing the drums. And he was just a wild guy, man. And Lance would always invite me, always come after me for Jesus, man. One thing I knew about Lance is he loved the Lord. Yeah. He'd punch you in your mouth, but he loved the Lord, man. This, <laughs> guy, was, this guy was a stud. I mean, so... So we, you know, he started planting, that seed got planted about Jesus, that seed got planted, and he would just stay after me, man, stay after me all through. And uh, so, so yeah, so I have Kayla, and, you know, I graduate from college, and now it's like, well, what are you going to do with your life, right? And I thought I wanted to be a teacher, but they put me in this lower economic school, mm-hmm. and and I'm like the I'm like the father to every kid that doesn't have a father, man. I'm out there playing a recess with them, just loving on them, man. My heart's there's a there's a reason God God put a a significance in my life a, a a calling on my life for young men and young women who don't have fathers and He did it early. I can look back now and go, oh man, this is master plan. Yeah, right. It wasn't to be a wrestler. It wasn't to be this great athlete. It wasn't mm. to be this businessman. It was to um, come in and speak life over young people and develop them to be the best they can be. I yeah. love that, dude. Yeah, yeah incredible and i and that's my lane (laughs) and and so um so me and lucy are just we're trudging through man um broken both of us are broken her dad was passed on at a very young age i mean baby and we're just broken man we're two people and we're hold. i'm trying to hold things together and i'm holding things together because that's what you do right and and man we're married for 23 years 23 years how many years. kids? One baby. One. One baby girl. How come you only had one? Uh, she had some. We had some complications from ah. that, man. It was just. It was. We just made a choice. Hey, you know, it could take her life. The next one, and and uh, and, and and I was okay with that. I mean, um, I, Kayla was just. You know, she was just awesome. Yeah. She was this girl, and um, I was like any dad with a little girl trying to make her a little boy. I'd buy her a dirt bike, right, and. And, and, and I want her to be this athlete mm-hmm. and it was crazy. So I get this job, um, and we know the Lord, we're going to church, but I'm broke. I mean, I'm just, I'm wearing mask, yeah. right? I'm wearing these masks. I put on one mask here, take this mask off. I go to this group. I'm with this mask, right? It was just, it was broken. And, um, so as a, as a, as a high school kid, I loved riding dirt bikes. That was my thing, but I wasn't allowed on dirt bikes because, um, coaches just didn't let us on it. And then scholarship, you can't, you can't college, you can't even touch those things. So, so I'm, I'm, I get this federal job. It's a great job. I'm, I'm busting. Um, they put me on the Russian detail. That was kind of the joke at my work. Right. And, and it's not as political as you should say, but I was on the Russian detail. Yeah. Uh, the the where we worked at um there's a large immigrant of russians so i was i was a social worker welfare fraud investigator all that good stuff right we we uh provided a service but we were there to uncover fraud as well and 
and uh, I was dying in that thing. I li- worked in this cubicle, man. And but I was like the morale. They called me the morale supervisor. Oh yeah. Because I'd go around cracking jokes. They'd make me read the minutes of the meeting. I'd crack jokes, and I was a horrible employee, right? But I was, you know, I I I, um, I was working. It was a great job. Great job. I was so crazy in that place that I, one of my buddies one time. He's awesome, dude. His name's uh, Miguel. He was from Russia. I would hide under his cubicle desk, and he'd come in and sit down and start typing. I'd grab his leg, right, and just freak him out. He tried to punch me one time. He was so scared. So one day, I, I decided I'm going to do the same thing again. This time, though, he leaves. I crawl underneath the desk, and um, I mean, this is, hot. this is just me. I want you know my personality, but he brings a client in. So he has a client sit down so I can't get from out from underneath the desk and my feet are, I'm, I'm like Indian style underneath there, right? 45 minutes, man. I had to, my legs were so asleep. I, I couldn't move. I couldn't get out of there, man. I had to drag myself. Uh, he was like, what's going on, man? Like, I was like, I got stuck under Did you wait there. till the client left oh, at yeah, least? Yeah, I had to. 45 minutes. Oh my My God. legs were, that's the kind of guy. I mean, I was just always doing goofy stuff, having fun. And uh, my client, um, she had a husband. He was a lawyer, and she was like a big sister in there. She's like, um, so at that time, I was racing dirt bikes. I was racing all the Desert Series, works races. I was actually making a little money off it. Had a sponsor from Capital Yamaha. I loved it, man. That's what I was getting to go out. My, my company that I worked for would let me leave on Fridays and go race. So we'd fly out and race and then come home on the weekends, and it was great. Wow. I was winning. I mean, I loved it. I, I was really good at it. I, mean, I, loved, I loved I grew up on dirt bikes, so that was kind of my little outlet. Yeah. And, uh, man, I was like I had the best job in the world because they didn't care about the days. I got PTO, paid time off for it, and it just I was able to do both things. But um, I was training my team at the time physically. And they were like, dude, great. You need to start your own company. And a couple of my teammates are like, hey, you should start your own company and do this, man. You are, you have a, you have a gift. And I was like, eh. And I'd always been an athlete, right? Lifting, training, all that was part of my life. And, and so my lawyer and his wife at that, and he's my lawyer now still. And he's like, I'm going to create this company. You're going for it. You're going for your dream. And, and Lucy at that time, you know, she was a CPA, had a really good job. She's like, please don't quit your job. Like this is, you know, all of her fears. Oh yeah. We're going to be poor. We're going to be broke. And, and I had $3,000 in my account, JD, 3000 bucks. And I, I'm like, that's it. I'm going for my dream. So I created this company called elite fitness. My lawyer, you know, created the, the, at that time, S corp, whatever. He's like, you're going for it. And I told the company I'm quitting. And I was already in seven years, had a huge pe- a pension. Oh, wow. was amazing, dude, the way they did the federal government, all that. So I was like, I'm going for it. And sure enough, I quit. I had $3,000 in my account, $3,000 in my account. And then the journey began and still broke. Uh, me and Lucy are pretty far in our marriage, you know, and, and man, dude, I get, so this is crazy how this all works out, but Brandy Chastain, she kicked the winning goal against China. I don't know if you remember her on the yeah. ladies' boxes. She had that bra on. She's like, you know, they took that picture. It's, it's iconic, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, one of my former clients that I, that I helped in that, in that federal job, she, she, she was teaching, coaching this team called The Storm. And Brandy was still playing and at the professional level and stuff. And, and so she's like, hey, I'd like you to introduce you to the owner of this company. They've got a bunch of World Cup champions. I mean, they're, they're high level. Brandy. And so I drive, I drive, I get a chance to train Brandy and I'm like, this is crazy. Cause you're lucky to have one professional athlete through your, through your, 
right? Right. But God is just, but God. Yeah. <laughs> I like to say, but God. Wow. He's got his hand on me. Even in my dysfunction, in my sin, everything that I'm doing, right? And um, so I go and train her. I drive all the way from Sacramento. I put all my gear on my back. I ride my motorcycle down. And this is what I did, man. I was one of those guys. I was like, well, man, if I can, if I get her as a client, dude, who knows, right? And I would drive, I would drive two and a half, three hours one way, train her for an hour and a half, drive three and a half wow. hours back. And I did that two, three times a week. And Brandy's like, Greg, you're the best. I mean, I've had the best trainers. You are the best trainer I've ever had, yada, yada. She's like, I want you to be in my new videos coming up. And I'm like, whoa. So it all starts to move. And she gets me in with Nike. I mean, it was awesome. Like, like it was big time. Yeah. At that same time, my uncle Robert up in up north, he's a pastor at Bayside. Amazing guy, man. He's been, he was just a, an anchor in my life. Um, he was my wife's uncle. So he's my, you know, step uncle, whatever. Right. But yeah. he was my uncle, man. He was just, he's, he's been pivotal in my life. This, this is the one Mike. Uh, no, this is Bob. Bob, okay. Yeah. The whole time, the whole time, my uncle Mike's there the whole time. Got it. Never misses a beat. Yeah. I mean, the guy's helps me consult me for my company, helps me run my company. He starts to grow elite for me. He told me, he got me out of, 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 of the company I was working for. He said, listen, he'd call me. My uncle Mike would call me and say, yeah, I'm at Starbucks right now and I'm going to go to the gym. And he had these companies. And I was like, gosh, it made me so mad. Cause I was like, this guy has a life. Yeah. And he's like, well, you got to create your lifestyle. If you don't like your job, create your lifestyle. That's right. Right? Yeah. Create your lifestyle. Create the life you want. And I was like, oh. So after seven years, it resonated. So I started going for it. And uh, so my, Bob, back to Bob, though. Bob has a best friend. His name's Gus Armstead. He trains all the NBA guys. Matt Barnes at that time. I mean, he had everyone. And Gus says, hey, I want you to come train for me, and I'm going to give you these amazing athletes. And, I, and bigger than that, my son's a blue chip player. So Mondo was like highest recruited player in the country i mean this kid wow his brother right now eric armstead's playing for the niners so i have these two kids in middle school and i'm training these kids man mondo's on his way to usc eric's just you know big kid already in middle school you know grade school and gus just blessed me and and god blessed me man god had put things in and then all of a sudden we blow up on the sacramento scene we were we we, we were putting companies out of business Wow. Yeah. And so what kind of training? Give me, give me a, yeah, like so, how did you start it? Like, what so, so we do speed agility endurance. And, and at that time, um, at that time, Nike had a thing called spark and it was, I don't know if you remember the commercials. It was my fastest, faster in yours. And had these kids on there and Steve so, yeah. Nash. Yeah. And, but I was started developing for them. I would develop these amazing training techniques. Cause I just had this amazing mind that way. Imagination, whatever it was. And so, so what most guys do with speed and agility, parents hear speed and agility, and most guys go on the internet and they copy or they put a speed ladder out there and that's speed and agility, but that's not speed and agility, right? Yeah. And I knew it wasn't because I was developing it at the highest level. And then I was selling it back to Spark. So some of the stuff was getting sold back and I'm being used. And I was like, man, I got, I got a gift at this. I'm like, I'm, whoa, this is, we're starting to get kids to sign out, girls and boys, division one scholarships, every sport, every sport, football, baseball, whatever it was. I mean, we had yeah. kids coming through. Imagine too, um, I had some amazing businessmen in my life that were on our board of directors. And so I immediately wanted to go out and open a gym and they're like, nope, you're going to partner with this gym for a year. And if you do well there, then we're going to find you the money because we believe in you. We're going to find you the money. 
And I did what they told me to do. Thank yeah. God. Yeah. And we had kids at Stanford. I mean, every school in the country. We had a wall in our gym, and, and it had Oregon, Oregon State, Arizona, Stanford, and Notre Dame, everywhere, right? I mean, wow. every school, USC. And um, so I started building this model out, what I wanted my gyms to look like. And it was centered around athletic development. But little did I know God had a plan for me from my, from my childhood because what happened was I started just kids were clinging on to me like a father and I started to pour into these kids and I, and I would see it. I could, I could see, I could see their mask. Yeah. I could see it, man. And I would call it out. I would call it out in training. I would speak life into them. And dude, I had a son, I had a daughter. Everybody came home from school during the breaks would come right to our gym. First stop sometimes. Wow. Because their home lives were so, they dropped their bags at their house and guess wow. where they were at for the next two to three weeks, you know, when you come home from college. But we'd had these kids since middle school. So if you can imagine, our Pop Warner team, teams are dominating. So we're doing speed agility, right? Performance, speed work. Yep. We're also doing strength and conditioning. Our kids are getting stronger, bigger, faster, stronger. But then what we did was we taught that endurance coupled with speed and agility because we just didn't want to teach speed and agility you could go do that all day long with fresh legs yep we wanted that fourth quarter athlete and that became our mission and we were known i mean everywhere we went man, we would take over we were taking territory and i say we the team yeah um so so we're we're growing man elite fitness is growing it's a brand now up north everyone knows about us i mean it's just booming I mean, people are coming. I'm creating student study centers. We got the police department coming in and training. We're building relationships in the community with latchkey kids. It's wow. powerful. We have a nonprofit. We're having a mud run every year. We're don donating money to our community. Uh, parents, we're fixing relationships. This right? is Sacramento. Sacramento. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So two big gyms. And they're 100,000 square feet. I mean, they're be They're unbelievable. You walk in all Nike'd out, jerseys, players. One night, you, you know, you never knew who was going to be in there. NFL, NBA. Um, so we're training all these crazy people. Wow. We just blow up. I mean, we're like D1. And D1's our competitor now. Yeah. And uh, we're, 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 we just blow up. Elite Fitness, man. We got this branding. I'm seeing my shirts in LA at the Staples Center. I'm like, I walk up to this one kid. I'm like, how'd you get that shirt? He goes, oh, yeah, my cousin trains up there. And it's like, dude. I was wow. like. Wow. Wow, because I'm from NorCal to see your shirt yeah. and your gear. You're like, okay, maybe we're. And now this one, on the, in the beginning with Elite Fitness, yeah. who did you start it with? By myself. By yourself. Yeah, I had a great board of directors. I had John ah. Cassidy. I had my Uncle Mike. Uh, we had some just great businessmen. And so they were helping me navigate, yeah. Yeah. teaching me to be, be a businessman. But I was, I was always a businessman. Like I had. I know how to sell because I had to try to sell myself. I grew up selling myself because I didn't think I was enough. It, it, and that's the biggest thing you got to sell in life. Yourself. It's yourself. And when you don't know who you are, man, you just, you do dumb things. Yeah. You do dumb things. You do dumb things. You do real dumb things. <laughs> you do. <laughs> you make, you know, you'll, you'll do things outside your character because you're not loved mm. and you'll compromise yourself. And so I'm training all these kids and I've got this stigma in town. Um, and, but, but behind closed doors, I'm not good. I'm not doing good. Um, this is even during the success of the business. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, cause dude, all the accolades in the world, right. It's still grouped around what being an athlete. Yeah. We're developing athletes now. So I'm not just an athlete, but now 
it's always who you train and what guy you got, which I hate that part of this business. I'll tell you, that's the biggest thing I hate about this mm. business is who do you got? Yeah. Who are you training? Even right now, like, you know, last week we trained all these kids in Poway and it was powerful, man. And, and so I, I, I call one of our Dodger dudes and I'm like, Hey man, can you show up? Um, it would be awesome for you to show up and just surprise these kids. Cause I mean, it's not every day you get a professional guy right. in the MLB, you know, to show up and speak life. He's like 100% I'm there. And he gets out there, man. And he's able to talk about his journey this year, even losing to the Padres. I mean, they had the best season of their career yeah. at 111 games, I think. And then he goes in there and he's, he's Tuesday night. He dices the Padres up. They come to San Diego. He does all right. And then Saturday night, Saturday nights, the wheels fall off. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's, he doesn't get more than a few pitches and warm up in the bullpen. They just tied it up three three. I mean, if you remember that game, it was electric. We were there. Yeah. I've never seen that stadium like that. Yep. I'm not a I'm not a Dodger fan or a Padre fan, but I uh, I'm a I'm a fan because we have so many kids playing. We have kids playing at the Rockies. I mean, we have kids playing everywhere. So I never really, right? Right. And you know, he gets to the ring, you're in, and he hops in there. It's just got tied up three three. The bases are loaded. This kid's from San Diego. He's playing for the Dodgers. We're there with his family. I'm there with my daughter. And it's like, dude, you're, he, I mean, I, I can't even imagine. And then he gives up that little blooper. Yeah. Hit it right over his head. They score two runs in his hometown. Yeah, I was at that game. And wasn't it, didn't it rain? Oh, it was, it was, yeah, yeah. it was horrible. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, you, you, you walk outside Padre Stadium after the game, and you would have thought they won the World Series. Oh, and I was so happy for him. It was unreal. Gosh, I'm not even a Padre fan, but I told my wife, I go, let's just go walk around, because you're never going to. It was you know, unreal. Yeah, we we got to see him after the game. You know, it was just dejecting. It was, it's tough. Yeah. So, I mean, my little guy got to ride the bus. Got to ride on the bus. Uh, oh wow. With the fan, you know, with the to the to the game. I mean, my little dude's. He probably doesn't even know what's been going on. Four years old, but it's like, man, it's already being planted, right? Like, yeah. And we're walking outside and we're just soaking it in because the city will never see that again. Once you win the next year, you know, if they win a world series or whatever, there's, then the expectation comes, right? Right. Fans change. Yeah. And so he got to come out last week and just talk to those kids. And there was a bunch of Padre kids there, but he loves those kids, right? He loves kids, man. Alex loves kids. One thing about that guy, he's, yeah. And so he comes out and they're like, what was it like? You know, what was that like being in a high intensity situation? What was it like? And he goes, you know what? With life, failure is going to come. It's inevitable. I had a great season and we ended up losing. It's part of life. But he calls me and he's like, he's like, Craig, he's, I'm going through it. This is, this is right after, this is about yeah. a week after. And social media is just blowing him up. Oh yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, Alex, first of all, you need to get off social media and get your mind right. He goes, okay, copy that. And I'm like, second thing, all I go, this loss it's not who you are. You're a champion. I go, I go, it's time to get back to work already. Like he's that kind of kid. Yeah. And he does, man. I mean, dude, he's right back at the gym. He's left it. And it's not his identity, you know, because he has great parents, amazing parents. Right. Yeah. Funny thing, parents too, if you're listening, your kid's voice, I'll tell you the only voice your kids can hear on the field is yours. And you could be very positive or extremely negative. Mm. Right. You see kids getting fights with their parents on the field. Yeah, get into that. Two years before that, he got called up. He was he was just got called up, and he's walking out. We're at Petco Field, and then we're in the back underhang, 
And his dad lets out this little yip, yip, little yelp. And he hears that. He can hear his father's voice. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. You hear your father's voice? Oh, yeah. And he can hear that. And he just gives his hand, you know, waves his hand up as he's walking out to the bullpen. And it really anchored what I'm doing is that, man, how important it is. How important for parents to understand, really, you know, what your kids really want to. We can talk about that later. But yeah. But that's so, what I want to dive yeah. really so, deep into. So back to elite fitness, not to get all over the place, but back to elite fitness. Um, we're going, we're going well. And JD, I, I, I crashed my marriage from 30,000 feet straight in the ground. Oof. I'm talking nosedive and, um, no, no excuse. I look back now. I mean, I, I only thing I can think of is uh, not think of, but I never made money like that. I'd never been around NBA, NFL. We were going, I was, just, I, I started using excuse. So I got to go out and entertain these guys at night. Yeah. And no, you know, no, I lost myself, um, made some horrible decisions, made some horrible decisions. Um, I, man, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know other than it, it was coming to that point. Yeah. You know, it's time to pay the piper. And, uh, so elite fitness is booming and, and we had just, I mean, I had sold elite fitness I, I, I got in this, um, this guy that, that was a PT. So we had full physical therapy in our offices and Doug, Doug's like, I want to, I want in, I want in. So I go, well, I'll sell you half. And, and then he's like, all right, I'll sell you half. We come to this agreement. So I'm going to still be kind of, you know, I'm going to still be running the company and all that. And, but then he's like, let's sell the other half. And they buy me back in. Cause the culture, there's no culture. Like I leave, it's, I'm the unicorn, right? Yeah. I'm the one in there doing all that. And we got this amazing group of trainers. We're thriving, but they're like, no, no, no. You got to get back in here. You got to get back in here. We need you. So I, they buy me back in. So I sell it. They buy me back in. And uh, at that point, Kayla was off on her scholarship. So my daughter's already got a scholarships going to North Dakota. Yeah. And, and me and Lucy decided to divorce. So, and, and, um, and and so and so um, you're saying so what you were saying is you you came off the rails basically making yeah. a lot of money yeah. entertaining clients quote unquote yeah you got into everything yeah got into everything um, I, I never been a big drinker yeah never been into drugs so that that really wasn't the problem you know and, yeah and I had this uh, this is who I am you know and 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 it, it, it trickles down into your marriage trickles down into how you are as a father. You know, I mean, granted, me and Kayla have a great relationship. She'd close that gym down with me. We've always, we're, we're a lot alike. Um, and so she was off and I was like, well, I'm going to sell. And then, so I get back in the gym again, but I'm, I'm not doing well. Like I'm broke. I'm broke. I'm talking broke. And I was going to church. I was going to these men ministries, but I was broke, just broke, broke. This is probably eight years ago. Broken, like broken, broken inside. Yeah. Just broke inside, man. And, and making decisions, going out and partying. It just wasn't good. It just wasn't good. I was trying to fill the void, fill the void, fill the void, fill the void. And, and so, um, Kayla takes off and I, I just, I get this whim. I go down, we come down here and we're training some NFL dudes for the NFL combine. We're at mission beach and I'm, I'm on the beach train. I'm like, this is pretty awesome. (laughs) And so the seed gets planted. And I tell Isaiah, one of our kids that played for the bears at that time, I'm like, I'm moving down here next year. And he's like, dude, you ain't moving. Like he sees what I got going there. He's yeah. like, you're not moving. Sure enough. Year and a half year. 
I moved down. I sold the company and I was like, I'm gone. And all these parents are like, why are you leaving? What's going on? You're like, you're, you're an anchor to our children. Like you're yeah. big in the community. Why are you leaving? You're thriving. This is, people are coming to me like this, don't. And I'm like, no, it was time, you know? Yeah. And so, <laughs> um, so actually I had about two years in and out of the, you know, in and out of elite fitness, still training, you know, all that stuff. But, but when I made the decision to come, it was time. I had been divorced for a couple of years. It was time. I kept running into her in town and it would just bring up things and, you know, small town. Yeah. yeah it is, small that, town. How old's Kayla now? She's 26. 26. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So she, she went through, played sports, high level. I mean, she was really good athlete. How's, your, had, how's your relationship with Kayla? Yeah. The best. The best. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And I think the best because, uh, I always been, she, I always been very honest with her, even in my mistakes. She's been right, right by my side. I mean, when I made mistakes, she'd move out with me and then we'd move back home. And then she was always there. She was my, my little road dog, <laughs> but man, that sucks to take her through that. Yeah. Looking back, man, I, I would love to fix that. Um, but we have a strong relationship, but I date her. I still yeah. date her. I pour into her. Um, and yeah. And, and I was able to, I was already, I, you know, I was already developing as a trainer, but what I was developing more in was as a character developer, you know, high level, yeah. high level. Like I, I see it now. I can see it. I can see where, see where it's all brought me. Cause you've been through it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and the worst and the best times, I mean, you imagine developing a kid from junior high and then sitting in soldier field and watching that little guy run out of the tunnel, how emotional that is. Wow. Tears just boom. Um, man, that was powerful. Those were powerful, powerful times to see your kids compete at the highest level, world cup champions, gold medalists, MLB, NFL, like to see them reach their goals and know that we had a part of that because it was more than training. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, even the kids with the good families, man, we're, I was pouring life into them and I, and I created this thing called the circle back. And what we do is uh, most, most relationships are fractured by the time they're in high school between athletes and parents. Is that right? Most of them are 90% of the best kids aren't even playing. They're not even playing 90% no of the, the best athletes in that sport aren't even playing by the time they get to high school. The relationships are fractured. They're burnout. Uh, eighth grade of freshman year, you know, you introduce weed, cell phone girls, whatever the wheels fall off. Right. And they right. don't even know who they are. Their yeah. parents are driving them to practice like all these people in San Diego. We just had this talk this week with these kids. Yeah. Um, they don't know why they're playing sports. They're getting identity through sports. They get accolades. And most of these dads and moms, they, you know, I hear these dads say, oh, he's out shooting 503 throws a day. You know, he's out there shooting or he's yeah. out there pitching. And it's like, they don't get it. There's not a nine-year-old in the world that wants to go out and throw 200 pitches. Right or wrestle 67 matches or shoot this many balls every day. The only reason that kid's going out there and doing that is because that's where you give them love at. Yep. That's where, that's where dads meet their kids, right? That's where the only place they can get love. So because kids want love so much, they want validation so much, they'll go meet their dads there. They'll go meet their moms there. It's crazy. It's the number. Okay. So get into this now. Now yeah. we're getting, now this is like what I, I couldn't wait to, to really yeah. get into this so what's the, this is the number one because like you just said it yeah because i i hear all these like i come in as a coach and these parents are taking it so seriously yeah. like 
well, I we should be, I want him to go play in this league because it's more competitive and we yeah. want him to win. And I'm like, I'm like at this age, it doesn't none of that matters. It doesn't. And 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 I try to give parents this understanding because we are co- when we coach parents so much. I want parents to have joy. I don't want parents to sit around and bite their nails and coach before the games and and pace up and down the side of the field and and I I did that. Dude, Brandy Chastain came to me. This is crazy. She told me she goes, Greg, I love you to death. You are by far because I could develop every every other kid. It's easy developing your own your your kids that aren't your own. One and, there, and there's nothing more prideful than your own child. It's okay. Right. It's yeah. beautiful, but where it gets twisted is that grade school, middle school level. It starts to get twisted, right? And and I try, I, I, she came to me and she's like, Greg, if, if you don't stop driving it like this, Kayla won't play. She won't be playing in two years. She won't be playing. And I think that's where the, the, the switch came on. Yeah. And I went, wow. Because that's our business, is developing young athletes to perform at the highest level. And, and so... So we, we come in now, I mean, our company, this is what we do, and we do it so well. I mean, we do it better than anybody. And the reason is, uh, and I'll, I'll lay the groundwork for that, but we come in and we have a circle back method. So we get our kids to circle back and fix the relationship because a lot of times mm-hmm. adults can't be adults. <laughs> Mom and dads aren't the adults. They just, they don't have the tools too sometimes, right? Yeah. They're caught up in this iconic my son's this my daughter's this they're great athletes i was probably not a great athlete um and even you know like i i noticed like our professional clientele they don't let their kids play until like freshman year a lot of them for football they don't they don't push it right because we've been down that journey i went down that journey my daughter went down that journey we just don't push it right it's different you have a different view than if you never played sports and now your kid's this great athlete especially in soccer in San Diego, like with surf and stuff, yeah. you have high IQ athletes. You got to be very smart to play. And we tell our kids that this week. I said, it's funny. It's iconic. Or it's uh, I didn't say iconic. I said, it's just funny how no one will say anything for a kid who's playing a cello 60 hours a week. No one, everyone looks at that and goes, oh, that's great. Or a kid who's doing academics. And I'm very, this is very personal to me. Yeah. But here you guys are putting in amazing amount of time you're already practicing your craft. You're becoming a professional, but you get dogged on because you're an athlete. It's funny how that always happens, yeah, you know, how yeah. society and culture looks at that, right? It's like, it's it's funny, you know, you can go play the cholo, you can go play the piano, whatever, right? 60, 70 hours a week, and that's okay, or academically. Yep. But that becomes their identity. Totally, right? totally. Totally. Yeah. And so we don't teach our kids what true identity is, who you really are especially our black athletes, man. It's like, dude, you're more than an athlete. You can be a business owner, a lawyer, right? You could be anything you want to be in life, but your peer group already classifies you. It already moves you here, right? Yeah. Your peer group moves you here if you're this. Your peer group, right? So that's where you're getting fed. 85, you know, in the Heights, 85% of our young men are fatherless. African American, 85%, 85% in those lower, in lower are areas. fatherless. Yeah. They say 79, whatever, but the real numbers in our communities were like 80, 85. I mean, it was, it was high. So you imagine that young boy comes and he's already got this hard outer shell. I mean, he's growing up hardcore. Um, yeah. Hardcore. I mean, these kids, these kids are beat up. They're beat up. I was beat up. I was beat up. It, I should never had to hear my mom having sex with 
dudes in the next room yeah. or the, and that's, that's on the low side of it. Right. What about moms who bring dudes in the homes who molest their kids? It's a hard, right. it's a hard road. And now talk to me again. Go. Sorry. Hit, no, 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 no. Keep hitting on this. Keep hitting on uh, the fact that, cause I see it a lot being a coach now yeah. where there are certain parents or especially fathers that don't come to the game. Yeah. Yeah. Talk, talk to me about the importance of why are children even playing sports to begin with? Well, again, it, it goes back to training. Yeah. It goes back to shooting hoops in the backyard. You see these dads out there training their kids and like, that's what he wants. And it's like, no, no. What he wants is his dad. What he wants is his mom. But because you, you, you don't give them love in a healthy way, they're going to, they go get their love tank filled there. And that's the only place they can get their love tank. So then as parents, we start talking about other kids' performance around our kids. Mm. huge no-no uh, we coach parents on this is the dangers of speaking about other another kid's performance or the coach's performance in front of your child you think about this in a positive or negative way or both yeah both well i think positive way is always good yeah positive is positive but negative can be really negative to the point where the your kids can't be developed down the road and and, and, I'll, and I'll lay that out yeah give me quick. an example of that so Little Johnny is, you know, he's eighth grade, right? Or not, excuse me, not even eighth grade. Let's, let's go, let's go to grade school, yeah. right? Six, seven, eight, nine, nine years old, 10 years old. And it's all, the mom is in the car and they're like, yeah, that coach, man, he should have played you more. Oh, that coach, he's this, and he's not playing you enough. And that kid, Bob, he sucks. You should be on the field in front of him. That's a normal conversation. that happens of a course. lot. Parents just do it. They're, je they're not jealous. They're, it's their baby, right? Yeah. They want their kid to play. Right. If you ask right. any parent, they don't want to come watch your kids sit on the sidelines. But what happens is they start to talk like that. So now the kid in turn subconsciously is going, man, my coach sucks. And he loses. Uh -huh. he, he doesn't respect his coach. Right. Or they get on the field in those high pressure situations. And Bobby that he's playing with, he don't trust him because he knows he's not as good. Right. So he doesn't pass the ball or, you know, there's all these yes. dynamics going on. Yes. And yes. now you're yes. starting to grow this grade school middle school and now you get a 13 year old boy who's got who's cocky no one's good enough for him no coach is right that's why you got a million comp clubs in this town because this guy moved his kid to this club and this guy wasn't a good enough coach here so he's going to start his club yeah. now you've got a million different travel ball teams soccer teams foot i mean look around you that's why it's why church is that way why do you think there's so many denominations this guy this pastor pissed me off here so i'm going to move across here right? And now you got all these denominations, right? Everybody's got a denomination, right? Because you live in a spirit of offense. So now you're not only hampering your child's performance as an athlete, but you're also, ha now you're, you're teaching them to be, live in offense a little bit, right? Yeah. So now they're not going to be able to deal with the boss that, because, you know, listen, it's a short run. College athletics, professional, it's, it's there. It's, it's here, gone. And now I got to be an employee for the most part, right? So now you carry all that from middle school right into that, right? Second thing is parents don't understand what their kids want from them as far as on the field. They don't need another coach. They just got coached for two hours on the field, and then you're going to get in the car and go over film and talk about what you did wrong. You know what they really want from you? I love you, and I'm proud of you. Yep. And, hey, let's go get some ice cream. That's yep. it. You do that, your kid, boom, elevates. Cause that's what they want. They want to know, Hey, you got my back and you love me and you're proud of me. They don't need another coach. Yeah. So we teach parents to get that joy back and it's hard, man. I did it this week. I talked to a parent. Wow. I'm coaching them already coaching a young kid and I'm, 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 I'm on him cause our stuff is high intensity. You come out we're we're not like, we're not like no so fluff. 
Not at all. We're trying to come out. We don't care what you're doing right. We care about what's going on wrong. And we're going to fix that and we're going to speak life into you. And that's real. Okay? Because you, you could come out and I could blow smoke. And, hey, you're, you're this. And I'm just, it's nothing. What we want to do is come out and fix what's wrong. Yeah. And so, powerful though, man. I so, mean, yeah. All right. So, powerful. talk to me more so. about the, I want this because I, I know I have a lot of listeners and watchers yeah. that are, that are committing this offense, let's call it, where they're not showing up, yep. they're not going to every game, yep. Yep. they're not going to their recital, yep. they're not seeing them dance. Yep. Like, and I'm thinking, what do you think your kid is doing up there? No, they're because they really just want to. No, they want to be recognized. They want to be appreciated from recognition. Their mom and dad. Yes, yeah, and, and that's how I grew up. I mean, I would have loved to see my dad. Man, man my dad, if he would have been down there in that front row, and I walked out, I was in front of 500 people. And I got that award, most valuable for football and wrestling. I mean, I would have, who knows, right? But he didn't have the tools. And kids need that. Parents, kids need that. They need that validation. Just like we need the validation from God. I mean, he ultimately is the one that creates identity and validates us. We can go drugs and women and all this other stuff and partying, but ultimately the validation comes from there. And that's what they're looking for. So when you're not showing up to your kids' events, um, it has it has long, long-term ev- effects, especially on who I am and my worth. What's wrong with me? Well, why isn't he coming to see me? On the other side too, though, if all you're doing is coaching and driving, coaching and driving, coaching and driving, you're not filling that same love tank. They're like, this guy, all he cares about is this, but I need him here. I need him where he loves me and he's proud of me. So there's two folds going on, yes. right? And then you see the great parents, right? And I would argue, man, they're, they're far and few between nowadays. It's, oh, yeah. It's very, I mean, with fatherless mothers and father, you know, fatherless kids, the, the, the single parent moms alone, I mean, that's just a, such a journey. And it's so hard, these moms. And and then you take families are together and what's going on there. So there's a lot to this, right? There's a lot to That's why there's only 2%. You figure this, 29 what? million kids, 29 million kids playing youth sports. That's the size of Texas and half of Oklahoma. That's what they rate. And- Two percent of those kids make it to Division One or two, so there's more academic money than there is athletic money by far. Right, right. So if you're gonna you're gonna ride that train and put that kind of pressure on your kid, two percent at twenty nine million, you good luck with that one. Yeah, because that's a special class. This is a special breed of young people to make it to the Division One or two side. Very special. Very. That's special. why, um, not Hertz Rental, but the other the other company, um, Green Enterprise. Yeah. Like I think like seventy percent of their hirees are division former division one and two athletes. They they go after that breed because they're special people. Wow. And that's what we teach our kids at a very young age is like you're you're so much more outside athletics. You're so much more. And so so we really try to come in and we try to we try to work with parents and coach parents on those situations. Hey, what do your kids really want from you? Right? What's the dangers of doing it this way? And what's a healthy way to do it? And then we teach our kids just this week to circle back and be the adult. It's powerful, JD. So talk, get into that. So we about, I, I noticed the need for it because I, I had a high level friend, his daughters were all division one, but he was a hard butt. And I could tell there was, there was some, there was tension in the family and I love him so much. And so I was doing a character development after training. We started, I started developing these character development stuff after training. So we would, and it wasn't a good model. Now I got the good model, yeah. but, um, but, but I would tell these kids, hey, you're gonna, 
what's going on at home? Well, he does this and he's, he's on me and we don't talk and it's all about him. And he talks about me and like, I'm some kind of commodity, right? But he's proud. He's proud of his daughter, but he's doing it subcon. you know, yeah. he's just doing tough it. on her. He runs his mouth, you know, tough on her. He's yeah. right. To make her perform I said, better. I said, well, what, what do you, what can you do in this relationship? Cause it's 50, 50. And she goes, what do you mean? It's 50, 50. I will, you have ownership in this relationship. And she's, this is, this is a freshman in high school. And she's like, she's already being recruited, USC, UCLA. And I said, what, how do you, she goes, you're right. I do have relate. I do have responsibility in this relationship. I go, well, you're, you're the child though. What are you going to do? And she goes, well, I guess I got to be the adult. <laughs> so this little girl goes home, circles back to her mom and dad and says, Hey, I look, I know things have been tense here. I've been giving you attitude. She's owning her stuff yeah. just because of our training. We get kids owning their responsibility. I'll talk to you about our our anchor points, but and and it's crazy, JD. Crazy. The guy comes to me two days later and goes, "Greg, what did you do to my daughter? Like our home life has just radically changed. Thank you. Like I realize that I haven't been a good father. I realize I haven't been healthy. Thank you. How can you help me? Change their whole family. Wow. All three girls. Dude, that family's thriving off one little girl circling back. We call it the circle back and taking ownership, taking her ownership as, a, as, her, as her role in the family, but then getting her mom and dad to wake up and go, okay, you know what? You're right. You're right. Like I, I'm sorry, baby. I'm sorry. And this guy's a high functioning guy developing kids in the community. He's a coach, but he, he was, it's his own kid. It's different, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can sign out a million kids. Right. I can get kids everywhere. It's easy for me. Yeah. My own daughter, me and Kayla, but you know, me and Kayla went through our own stuff. But the thing of the difference between me and Kayla was I was already developing. She was training with world champions, gold medalists. She was she was training with NFL guys. My my daughter has NFL feet, grown man male feet. Like her footwork is wow, it's insane. And so we had that respect. I stopped coaching her as soon as Brandy, twelve years old. I wasn't qualified enough to coach her, so I just shut up and I just started showing up to the games. I love you, proud of you. Me and her got our first red card together. <laughs> she, we got this red card, man. We were in Woodland, California. And there's this horrible call on the field. And so she gets a red card. And right as I yelped this out of my mouth, the, the, it goes silent in the stadium. And I yell, I say this thing, you know, it was derogatory. And sure enough, man, side referee comes up and goes, you got you to leave. You're, you're being asked to leave. So me and her walk out of that stadium together, man, red card. We both got a, a red card the same day together, <laughs> hand in hand. We laugh about it still. No today. way. But, but yeah, so, so that's, you know, it's been my journey. And then, you know, then I moved down here and, and guys are still coming to train. I'm living at South Mission Beach by myself. It's amazing time. I'm being healed radically. I'm going to the rock and then bouncing to C3, which awakened with yes. C3. Yeah. Everybody would bounce back and forth. So I'm down there just, I'm not working for a year and a half. I decide I'm not going to work. It's not going to work. I'm going to just get some healing. And guys are still coming to train. I mean, it's crazy. I come here and immediately I got 25 San Diego State dudes a year. They were, remember the first year they really crushed. Yeah. They had press. They had all those guys coming out, training those guys, speaking life. It was awesome, man. Kavari. And I got NFL guys still coming down, MLB guys still coming. And it's just like, but I don't want to train. JD, I'm like, eh. I don't want to do that. I want to move. I want to reinvent myself and do something else. So um, I end up, um, this is about three, four years after my divorce, three years, whatever. And so I, I end up meeting this amazing lady. Uh, I held off on Dayton. 
And I was like, with this promise, I'm going to meet this, meet the right girl. Again, a little bit out of brokenness though. Like I need a girl, like I need this relationship. Right. right? But I meet Eva, my wife right now and my wife for the rest of my life. And I meet her and she's just, man, the salt of the earth. Like, I'm like, wow. Like I'm getting to be me finally, you know, in a healthy way, not this broken guy. The voids are, the the things being mended. I'm understanding my dad just didn't have the tools. It wasn't about me. He just didn't have the tools. I love him. I don't talk to him, but he didn't come to my graduation. He didn't come to watch me in college. He didn't see my daughter born. He didn't see anything. Graduate from college. I was the first guy to graduate from college in my family. Like he didn't see any of that. But, but, but man, um, I get to be me. And so we merged this life together and we're very purposeful. And, and, and then, yeah, it all starts. Right. So we end up getting married. Um, we end up having a child with, we, we got married, had a child within a year and it was like, man, this is happening. Like I'm, I got a son coming. I'd never had a son. And, and now my daughter gets a a little brother. Wow. This is cool. Like, and we're growing, but I can't find my feet in San Diego. I can't find my feet. I'm talking, I got a resume of resumes, but I'm not, I don't want to train. I'm, I'm just fighting it. I don't yeah. want to train. I don't want to be in the training business. I can't find a job. JD. I can't, my uncle comes down one job I had. I mean, I was working here and there. My, um, my uncle says, Hey, we got this company called elevate. It's a youth development program. We want you to be the director in San Diego. You it's basically character development. It's kind of what we use now. Um, we've honed it a little different now in our company, but he's like, Hey, I want you to be the director. So I take the job and I'm working and I'm doing all right, but you know, it's, it's my lane, right? I'm, I'm, I'm developing this whole character development program out. And then this job comes up in Utah where I get to go be the director at this boy's home. And I'm thinking, okay, that's the next thing. I'm going to move my family. You know, me and Eva are thriving along We're we're planted at awaken. I mean, we're serving. Yeah. Um, I'm in a merge. My first year we take third. Second year we take second. I mean the relationships I'm growing are tremendous, right? Oh yeah. Third year we win it uh, with Warner and our team was amazing. We win it. We win it again. Second year. So it's like but in between that process I think well I need to provide for my family. So I'm going to move to Utah. I'm going to take this job. My, I'll move my wife out at the end of the year and she wasn't having it, JD. She was just like, I'm a, I'm, first of all, I'm a Southern California girl. I'm not moving to the cold, right? Southern Utah, no way. Yeah. I, I bring her out there for Thanksgiving and she's like, uh-uh. She wasn't having it. So she tells me in December, hey, you need to step down from this position. They were getting ready to announce me as the head director, which is, you know, $200,000 a year. It's the job. This is I in want. San Diego, or you had to Utah. move? You, I was okay. already, yeah, I was already yeah. in Utah. Sorry if I lost you. I'm sorry. But I'm in Utah. And working and oh, I'm so try- you, yeah. she didn't come with you no she because she had to finish out her year she's a school teacher oh gotcha okay. i'm sorry i, I didn't know no worries well. but i was there and i was dude doing what i do how long were you there uh six months six months okay not even that i don't yeah. even think i was there that yeah. much i packed everything up our plan was she agreed that she would move out in may as soon as her school's year is over and, and she was with your son yeah, with okay. my son and our, our stepson and kayla was living a little bit with us at that time she and the agreement was college. she would follow you out there yeah and I, I, yeah, it comes December. She's like, I'm not coming. I want you to move home. My boy, your boys need you. And I, and I was up for a massive promotion. I already been told that that was, was going to happen. And 
killed me because I was living with my cousin Bobby there. Me and him are like brothers, right? We've been through a lot together. And and I told him, hey, I got to go home. I got to go home. And my family needs me. And this is right before COVID. Wow. Right before COVID. Yeah. And so um, I'm like, okay. So I tell her, yeah, I'm coming home. No question. I didn't, I wasn't angry. I was like, I'm coming home, babe. I'm coming home. So I move home. Um, we're still plugged in at Awaken. Um, and we just, we anchor down, man. We hunker down together. We make some goals where we're going. I didn't have a job. COVID hits. I got no job, man. I got no job. Like it's, it's not good. It's not a good thing. And, um, about a year, two years before that, I was out training some NFL guys on the beach at South Mission Beach. And this big Tongan, I mean, this guy is massive, walks out. His name's Vi. And he's like, hey, man, what's going on? Salt of the earth. I mean, this dude is, he's awesome. And he goes, man, I, you know, I played at Utah. And then we find out we both wrestled. He, he's a high-level wrestler. I mean, he's Olympic level. And we start building a relationship. And so he starts flying me out to train people at Salt Lake, right on the campus at the U. And, and we're de- we start developing kids. And he's like, let's start a company. You know, I don't ha- he did, at that time, he didn't have a very stable job. And I was like, fly me out, because I'd make a lot, you know, I can make good money training, yeah. but I didn't want to train. And so I come home from Utah and I'm like, man, dude, it's like, I can't get away from this. Now God's like, hey. So I decide, right? outside of COVID March that I'm going to start a door company, Colin Higginbottom. This is crazy. <laughs> Colin Higginbottom, this guy. So I'm going to start a door company and I start this door company with a business partner from Awaken. And I'm not a door guy, JD. I'm not a door guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm a youth developer. I'm the, I'm, I'm, I'm a very high level sports development, sports development of, you know, developing kids. And, and, and that's who I am. Right. But, right. Not me. I'm a door guy. Yeah. And we got favor. We get Amazon. We get a couple big dude. Like we're getting big time contracts. Right. And I go to Colin Higginbottom and Colin's like, look, man, I'll help you grow your door company. He goes, but you're not a door guy. He goes, he goes, you're a high level developer of youth, the highest level. He goes, you should be developing young people to be the greatest human beings they can be. And I'm like, okay, Colin. Yeah. Cause I'm like, dude, it's not paying the bills and I don't want to be a trainer again. Right. And the seed gets planted and Colin's taking me on this journey. And we were, we were working on a project with Daniel and we, we had this concept of creating like a IMG Academy here in San Diego. And we, and we started walking it out I and mean, we were in meetings. We got fit to be a part of this agreement and all this stuff. And then Colin calls me one day and goes, look, man, it's just not a good time. And he, he taught me something out of that too. And he's just like, it's not a good time. I'm, I have other commitments and I don't think the market's right for it. And it stopped. We stopped our meetings and So and Colin was gonna be in on it with you. Colin was gonna well Colin was gonna be I was gonna get a B on it with him. I mean, you yeah. know Colin, right? Yeah. Um, I was gonna run the sports development side, Daniel, you know, and so we had a plan. But he was right. The market wasn't right for it. He he's so wise. I mean Colin is so wise. Yeah. And but what Colin did was plant a seed in me because Colin believed in me again. And, and, and I didn't have, um, he uses that term, you know, he's like, you could have the resume of resumes, but if you don't have the confidence, the trans, you know, if you don't have the two together, you'll never be the best you can be. Right. And he planted the seed. I had the resume, but then I started to get the confidence 
And so I'm in the store company, man, and we're, we're doing all right, right? It's not the best of the world, but we're doing all right. I'm providing for my family. And then the calling comes and I can't walk away from it. And, and uh, Vi goes, let's start something. I mean, by that point, we have a location in Utah because I'm part-time in both of them. And I'm like, so I go to, I go to, my, I go to Albert and I'm like, hey, I'm done. I'm out. I need to be out. I got to follow this. This is what God's called me to do. I got to start a training company that does this, this, and this, and this is my passion. This is where I'm going. And sure enough, here we are today. So I go with Vi and I say, hey, let's start a company called One Family Athletics, OFA. OFA is Tongue and it's love. And he goes, let's go. And so we already have Nike. We're direct with Nike. We, we, we already have great connects. We have all the schools in the country still, right? Mine and his past. And we're starting to develop kids. I mean, we're, it's starting to happen. And so where did you officially start the company? Utah or here? We started in Utah last year, officially yeah. last year. We've been in business almost for a year officially, right? But God just brings us killers. Like these just guys in the industry. Our lawyer, he's the, I mean, they're the one of the most powerful law attorneys for business side of it, you know. Um, he drops him in our pocket. He sets everything up for free. He's like, I believe in you. We, we develop as kids. Um, all of a sudden we've got all these, I mean, these people, just these, these amazing people, this network opened up. And so we decide we're going to start a train company again. But the difference is now is we're going to really focus on character development, grit, resilience, knowing your purpose, knowing your identity, knowing who you are. Um, I started to develop concepts like being present and we'll hear that all day long on podcasts, yeah, right? Yeah. Being present, Chad, yeah. Wright. Yeah. Chad, Wright, He's amazing on this because what he does is he, yeah, you got to be present in that moment. And we don't teach our kids that no, like this summer we go out and we, we have a track day and they're doing 800s, 400s. Right. And while we're doing 400s, we got kids coming up to us going, how, well, how many 800s do we have? And we click them right back in to being present in that moment. Yeah. So we're teaching kids already at that level how to do that. And we're doing it while they're doing extremely hard things. We're teaching amazing, you know, we're teaching these concepts and we have a curriculum. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, we have, it's, it's so far ahead of the game right now. Um, just to give you an idea, we just sold our first franchise uh, to a, a group in New Mexico. And within six months, we had, we had locked our first franchise in. Wow. So they bought our whole system. That means training, character development. They bought the whole thing. So if you were to create your own big gym, they would buy our whole system. We'd come in, everything, CRMs. It's awesome. We were up against D1. And... Um, there was like 10 companies, but we, it yeah. came down to us in D1. D1's Peyton Manning, Philip Rivers, Tim Tebow. They all own that. And we beat them. Wow. We beat them. They, they, we were so deep. Uh, Tom Brady's championship mindset, same thing. We beat, a co we beat them out for a company. They, they looked at our character development and went, wow, you guys are deep in the weeds. We want this. And that says a lot. Because yes. Tom's name's Tom's name. Yes. Right? But it's not the name. Because... The name helps on the ROI, but if you're really trying to change a community, you want to come in with, with something that's actually going to change the community. So we're already in agreements with others. We're getting ready to sell more systems now. And then we do a summer training. Our summer training is so high level for three months, June, July, August. We take your kid, whether they're athletic or not, and we knock their wheels off. And that's what we do. And we come in and we teach it, both of them on top of each other. Yeah. The athletic development side, and then the character development side. And we grow them from middle school, grade school, all the way through. And we have kids right now playing in the league. They've been through it, you know. And so so you're you're in Utah. We're in Utah. And San Diego as well now? San Diego as well. So we just had we just finished 
camp last week it was insane <laughs> it's it blows my mind how many kids are out there and, and where, where is the uh where do you train in san diego we go at westview high school we go at south mission beach and now we're plugged in in chula vista because that we care i mean we have kids down there with no resources yeah. so we started a foundation called one family foundation and we take those resources um we're partnering with the nba this year the all-star weekend in salt lake city and they're they seen us and they're like we want to we want to get behind you guys because we deal with a lot of different kids. Like in Salt Lake City, you have a huge Polynesian community. Yeah. But most of those kids end up in prison. If they don't go play football. Did you watch the uh, the documentary with the kid from Notre Dame that got catfished? Did no. you watch that? You should watch that. It's pretty crazy. Um, but he played at Notre Dame, got catfished by this girl. But he made a comment in that documentary about if it's known in the Polynesian community, if you don't get a sports scholarship, yeah. you're not going to college. Yeah. Right? And so, so we deal with those communities wow. there. We deal with our communities here in, in the South, you know, in Chula Vista, those area, we have kids that are wearing cleats that their brothers had three years ago. We have parents who are sending their kids that are in the MLS pipeline that, that it's crazy. They don't have the resources. They can't send their, they can't go with their kids and stay in a hotel. They can't get on a flight and go to Denver and play these tournaments because soccer is no longer a middle-class sport. It's a, it's, it's a upper, yes. you got to have money to go play on these travel teams. And granted, there's scholarships and there's an app, but what we want to do is really meet the needs financially there. And then we meet the needs for training. So these kids get all right now. We're going out today. I got a bunch of 20 kids, man. These kids, they're set up to fail in their communities. They have no resources. It's not like kids up in La Jolla and Rancho Bernardo, right? Right. These kids are fighting. They're out running in the rain. I mean, they're, you should see it. It's powerful. And then you go out and you speak life, man. And the kids, the light comes on, the light comes on. And it's like, and wow. so how, how, uh, all right. So talk to me, how do people, how do people find this? How do they obviously that's your website? Oh yeah. Our website. I mean, it's one number one family athletics.com, but, um, we're starting to create elite level groups now that'll be fully sponsored. So when you come in, you'll be fully clothed through Nike and under armor. You'll have full Gatorade setups for when you travel out. Uh, there'll be scholarship foundation stuff. We'll have a, um, we're going to have an arm in our foundation. My uncle Mike's developing it now. Um, we're, we're planning the seed now to develop is there'll be a business arm. So the kids that are entrepreneurial, mm-hmm. that aren't going to go be two percenters. There'll be an opportunity for them to come be a part of that. Right. Yeah. And we'll help seed that and help them out navigate them and mentor them. So, so we're doing all that. So, yeah, I mean, we, our summer program's the biggest. Girls and boys, it doesn't matter, you know, what level of athletics, if they're couch potatoes or not, we're going to come in and we're going to give them tools. Know who you are, right? Yep. Grit, resilience, self-talk, man. We manage self-talk. Mm. JD, I, I can't wait for you to come out and see, be a part of our, men. like, we're having a big Dodger camp here in uh, San Diego. I leave for Austin this week. We have a big one there. Uh, we have another big one in Farmington, New Mexico, where we get to come in and we don't just do the athletic thing. These guys get to sit around tables with professional athletes and get mentored. What's my blind spots? How can I get better at grade school level? Wow. And they leave with goals and they leave knowing they got to sit at the table, not just get a shirt signed. Like a lot of these camps and clinics, these parents send their parents see there. The guy shows up, signs a shirt and he's out in 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're not about that. We're not about that, man. We, we have an Olympics. So, and yeah, we need help with our foundation. 100%. We need to be able to fill the gap. You got, you can't bless people unless financially you're winning and we're, and we're, we're starting to win, but we need people in the community that want to get behind a worthwhile cause, not just give money. Cause 
people that give money come participate with us. We, we put them in mentor positions. So imagine a guy that has a billion dollar company or whatever. Yeah. Million, imagine him not just, he gets, he has to write checks all the time to this stuff. That's right. not what we want. Yeah. We want, we want him to come and actually change lives and we help educate him and teach him how to do it. And it's powerful, man. It's, I got people coming from Mesquite, Nevada, big time business owners, and they're going to come and sit at tables and mentor this year. And they're pumped because they get to change kids' lives, man, and, and grow relationships out of that. And so we do it much different in our company. We're very pride. We are prideful about what we do. We are proud because that's what I'm dedicating my life to the next 20 years of my life. I, I've got, you know, I'm, I'll be 50. I'm going to be cranking on, but I'm yeah, going to, I'm, I'm committing to these young people. I'm committing to them. I'm going after this generation. Our team is, and, um, there's no stopping us. And so does it matter? Like it, let, let's say like, it doesn't matter what sport they're going no, into. Not at all. No, no, no. You See, train them all pretty much the same. Not, I mean like, so our baseball guys train a little differently yeah, in mechanical okay. movements, but in the summer program and all that, we all train the more, the better feet you get, the more mechanically you can move, the better vision you have, the more in shape you are. The more baseball guys will say, this, why should we have to do all this endurance work? We're not endurance as, and it's like, no, no, no. You increase mitochondria. The more mitochondria, the more powerhouse of your cell you create, the smarter you are, the better your IQ is, the faster you can move, and they get it. Mm. They don't think like just like a baseball player. Yes. We want them thinking like Dion, right? I can go hit a home run in the World Series, right? Go catch a touchdown, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's yeah. the kind of guys we want. And so that's who we develop. And then our college network's huge. We develop kids out. We make one call for people. One call. We can have a coach on campus offering. So um, so it's powerful. Wow. It's powerful. And so what's the first thing? Like, uh, the, 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 give me the groundwork of this whole foundation or your whole system. Give me the, give me the, 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 the groundwork of it. From an athlete perspective yeah. or a parent or... It, give me everything. Like, okay. what can the parent expect? Yeah. So a parent can expect excellence, right? Yeah. And truth. Um, All the way around. Yeah. I, 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 our coaches right now know if we're not being excellent, this is what we told our kids this week. And this is middle school, junior high. If your trainer's coming out here and they're not giving you excellence, you should fire them. And they're looking at us like, JD, they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like... You should expect excellence out of your trainer. We don't need more volunteers around our children. We need high level, mm. high level excellence coaching around our young people, period. And if you're not doing it, you need to get out of the way. You need to get out of the yeah. way. Yeah. That includes myself. That includes myself. At any point that I'm not bringing excellence, I, I need to re really relook at what I'm doing. So that's, that's what we do. So when our, our, our kid comes there, parents should expect this, that we're going to speak life into them. Right, we're not going to tear we're we're not going to tear them down in a negative way. We will tear them down a little bit. Yeah, but we're going to fix what's right. We, listen, we're not going to come out and speak fluff, but we're going to love that yeah. young man or that young woman coming through our system. They're going to know that we got their backs, right? Yep. And then they're they're, they're going to learn how to expect excellence. Anybody that's giving them a service or providing something for them should be excellent. And I sat out at a couple of high schools this summer, and it was crazy how coaches speak to young men calling the mother effers and this and that. And it's like, man, that's the old, that's how mean you grew up. That's right. I had coaches come up and, I mean, listen, these kids don't need that. These kids are in a different time than when we grew up. Yeah. What do kids and, nowadays need? Because we're, they're all on social media. They're all yeah, insecure. They're not yeah, present. They need identity. They need identity. And, and we're there to give them identity, to help them understand who they are, whose they are, mm. right? Whose yeah, they are yeah. and who they are. Yep. Two separate things. 
right? If you know who, whose you are, right? And you have a standard and you have a code that you're going to go by and you're going to own your stuff. You're going to keep your agreements, right? If you can get kids to understand that at the middle school, by the time they're 13, you got a critically thinking person that's not going to buy bull crap. Yeah. That's who we want to create. We don't want dude, we don't care. Listen, who cares about the best 12 year old? Matter of fact, who cares about the best 15 year old? Because at 15, they got, they got to still make the journey to 18. Right. And if they're any good at 18 to get to the division one side, and then they're back as a freshman. You see the parents don't understand that you start a kid at six years old dude, six to 12. That's six years on their body playing right at 12 year old. Who cares? Who cares? Right? Cause next year they're 13, 14, they're a freshman in high school yeah. back at the beginning. You got six to 12, 12 to 15. That's nine years. JD, we didn't play that much sports. We were out running, swimming, right? Yeah. And, and then 15 to 18, you got 12 years of of just wear and tear on your body it has to be navigated you got to be mentally tough to make it through mm. and so that's what we do because you, you go back to what you said earlier about what was the percentage is like it's two percent two percent no but you said 90 percent of oh kids like just don't they don't even make like they, they burn out it. they burn out man they're not even playing sports at that level right they're already burned out they don't want to play listen you can manipulate a middle school kid middle yeah. school junior high you can still manipulate him as a parent. You can make him get to practice. You can make him do all that. But you enter the cell phone in or a boy or girl at high school partying. They're starting to get their own minds, their own thinking. That becomes a whole different monster. And so this happens, this butting of heads, right? And what we want is our, our kids to look at it is, is go, hey, be respectful. Own your stuff, right? Instead of butting heads with your dad and saying, oh, I'm going to do my, be like, you know what? Y yes, dad. Yes, dad. But here's how I'd like to see it. Present yourself, stand up for yourself in a, in a respectful way, own your responsibilities, keep your agreements. If you can't keep your agreements, renegotiate. Don't just blow people off. Right. And so all these kids are on social media. They're watching all these other kids' lives and ours is more than athletics, man. 2%. So these kids yeah. are going to go sit in your communities. They're going to be in your, they're going to be in your businesses. You're going to be in your businesses. They're going to be, you're going to be hiring them as employees. Our, our goal is to make an amazing, critical thinking, responsible owning, you know what I mean? With yes. This amazing kid. And we're doing it. It's not, it doesn't need to be tested. It's already been tested. We're doing it and we're going to, we're going to make it better. We're going to keep evolving and make it better. And I'm, I'm so pumped about that. Because and as well, you should be, bro, because I absolutely love it. And and because what are we up against right now, bro? Like we've never been up yeah. against social media, teen suicide, teen it's suicide, it's tripled. It's tripled in Tell San me, Diego. Because if you don't believe it, watch news and see how many people are jumping off Coronado Bridge right now. It's it's at the highest rate it's ever been. It's happening at the at the young side. We have the largest high school in the United States for homeless youth. We got kids couch surfing all over the place. We got kids that don't even have showers. They have to take showers at school right? Uh, or, or at the local gym 24, we, we set up programs where we help kids. Uh, my uncle Mike has Elevate U Solutions up north. They help kids be able to take showers at 24 hour or at the gym. They got to go to school. They get punked by everybody because of their clothes. They have no resources and they still get straight A's because my uncle Mike's standing in the gap up there. Powerful. Wow. Guy still, that's the guy you want to hire. Yeah. Who cares about that quarterback from La Jolla? Yeah. Right. I mean, he's, he's a cool dude, but that's the kids you want to hire. Right. And that's, that's, that's what we're finding is like, we, we want all kids. It don't matter if you, if you play, if parents, if you're tired of your kid being on a computer all day and playing video games, get them through our summer program.
We'll change their lives. How many days a week is the summer? Three program? days a week. Three days a week. Yeah, three How days many a hours? week. Uh, we, we, we tap them out. So we're an hour, hour and a half. Plus they get character development and they're home. Per day. They're so sore the next day. Yeah. So we get a day off and then we're back at it again. Then a day off. That's the summer program. Yeah, and we're going all the way through. All right. It's so, consistent. Sorry. So I'm coaching flag football. Yeah. Right. Talk to me. Uh, my kids are six, seven, and eight years old right yeah. now. Yeah. What do I focus on here? My number one focus right yeah. now to date what the number one I call there's two like there's three rules on my team. Uh, number one is always do your best. Yep. Number yep. two is have fun, and rule number three is see rule number one. Yep. And, do your best. And, Everything's and, about doing your best. And and we we couple that those two rules with doing things right the first time, mm. and then we make them answer why, so they don't have to do it again. So homework, yard work, school work, we're gonna do it right the first time, right? Yep. Right. Set so the the third thing too on your on your side of it is focused on don't focus on development right now yeah focus on 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 your role as a father and the father of the fatherless right yeah because you're you there's other boys there man they're looking yes. at you going man i wish i had him as a dad right because i'd exasperate 100%. relationships yeah. you remember yeah like I, I would go to my buddy's dads and exasperate the relationship i would just clean on and clean yeah on and yeah, yeah yeah and they yeah, would be yeah. like whoa right so that's powerful. And then two is, listen. Be a the, father figure. Be a father figure. Look, your kids run goofy right now. Don't get caught up on it because yeah. they're going to run from seven years old to 12. It changes drastically. Yeah. We come out and we work on mechanicals and elbow strike and all that and vision. But don't get caught up on all that and all the development. I mean, just love on your sons. Be a great role model for them. And then be the father of the fatherless and teach these young boys and young girls too, man. Like where we're going. You know, we're going, we're going yeah. here. And what success really looks like, because, boy, man, we get it warped. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We get it warped. Big time. I commend you for standing in the gap, because you're a high level man. I mean, in your business. Yeah, yep. I mean, look, I'm on a podcast with you, right? Right. And now you're pouring life into these young people, and uh, I really commend you for that, because that's what we need. Yeah. We don't need a dude just showing up, standing in the gap. I'm sorry. Yeah. We just don't. We we need people to really stand up. That's why moms say. You know, when we were out at Awaken, you know, during all the lockouts and everything, and they were so shocked to see all of us guys from Awaken at those protests. Yeah. Because there's been no men. Right. It's all been moms. Yeah, totally. Right? And these dudes are hiding, and it's like, yeah, it's refreshing to see men. That's our role, stand in the community, Absolutely. stand in the gap. Right? Yep. So, so yeah, we, we, we do it that way. We do it that way, man. Yeah, and I, I, I love and, it. And, and we don't, we're not the end-all, be-all. We're not the NLBL jail, but I'll tell you what, JD, we are going after this group of young people and we're, we're anchored in for the long haul and we need people to stand in the gap with us and we need it financially, but we also need mentors and we have a whole, we have a whole certification and everything went through the Harvard school of education. It's legit. I mean, wow. it's lights out journaling. It's got, it's got surveys. It's awesome. It's wow. Awesome. And then how old your son now? He's four. He's four. Okay, so okay, so what age do you start him in something? Whether yeah. whether it's martial arts, whether it's sport. Yeah, I think martial arts is is the only thing I, I really feel looking at. Yeah, uh, jujitsu, wrestling. Um, uh, we have a lot of little girls that are in jujitsu right now, and I think what the reason is they're they're still competing, but it's yeah. not in an organized structure like soccer and baseball. And and parents parents can argue with me, but I, I really feel like eight years old, nine years old is a good age to start. Yeah. Um, but kids want, you know, parents want their kids to do things and stuff, but I think martial arts is a real good yes. avenue. It's just a discipline. Um, wrestling's taught me so much. I mean, I, I'm grateful for my years of wrestling. Yeah. Um, 
but but I think it's important to understand that, like really understand, you know, our role as parents and not just throwing them in things so they stay active. Right. Right. So go further. Let's let's land the plane because I really okay. wanted this to awesome. hit this home, man. Awesome. Don't just throw your kids into sports. Yeah. Like, what are we actually doing this? Yes, it's great to keep them off the devices because it's one of the only ways you're going to keep kids off devices by keeping them yeah. active. But as parents, is that enough? Like, well, what else should we be doing? Going to the games, going to practices. Yeah, it's going to take a call from a call for of a parent. It's going to take a, a a parent's going to have to perform a certain action to not just throw them into sports and let them be active. Right? It's going to take sacrifice. And right now, right. coming out of COVID, a lot of parents don't even want to drive their kids to training. Correct. Well, that's what we're seeing. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's starting to come back a little bit, but I think parents got a moment where they're like, "Man, that's all I was doing was I was a taxi." Yes. And and that's not a good model. Um, I think finding great mentors, um, finding people to speak life into your children, you being involved with them, making those commitments, making those, not just dropping them off at practice, but, you know, really letting them know is, hey, I'm so proud of you and and working from there. This is where I'm at, baby. I, I love you and I'm proud of you. How can I help you? How can I, and people go, well, how can you talk to an eight-year-old? Man, our kids are smart. My four-year-old right now, I talk to him every day. You're a champion. You're brave. He tells me, he told me, he told me the other week, he goes, man, dad, I'm going to take your, I'm taking your clients over at four years old, <laughs> right? He goes wow. out and trains. He's around like Brent's kids. He's that dude, they're high functioning young men. They're, they have men in their lives right now. Our kids, our kids can learn and be amazing. So don't, don't underestimate where your kids are at because people say grade school, you're doing this middle school. Oh man, they're better than high. It's too late in high school. It's too late. Yeah. You got to grab them at grade school, middle school. They're, they are sponges. They're amazing. They're high functioning. They're unique. We teach that concept. You're uncommon around common men, young men. We teach that yes. concept all the time. Yeah. And that's a, that's a phrase that's being kicked around everywhere. But when you don't just speak it and you actually do it in principle and activity and you teach it and top doing hard things and you teach that and you teach it, the young guy goes, oh man, I am special. I am unique. I have been made for more than what I've been told. And and I'm not going to buy any garbage. I want excellence. If you're my boss, I want excellence. If not, I'll take your job. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yes. That's how it should be. Yes. And that's the bigger picture. It's not athletics. At the end of the day, 2%. 2%. One, less than 1% to the professional side. Yeah. Baseball's less than 1%. So, um, and I think that's the unique thing about us is that we're developing the highest level athletes at the professional level that come in and mentor our young people. And I think that's the gold. Yeah. I don't think that is the gold. And, and the character development is just. 100%, man. Not, ev not everybody's got fathers, man. Yeah. I grew up that way. I grew up with a, I grew up fatherless. Or you got a dad who works 80 hours in La Jolla. Right. He's providing for the family, but he's fatherless. Yes. Well, he's not just, showing it's, up. It's the same thing as having a dad that never showed up. Same what, thing. Same thing. Has the same outcome. The kid in La Jolla starts spending all the money, gets on drugs, goes down that path, right? The kid down here, fatherless, makes horrible decisions. Gets in a car, hits a girl at 150 miles an hour, right? Just a couple of year, a year and a half ago in Oakland, the Raiders, yeah, remember yeah, in Vegas? Yes. Kills her. He yep. didn't have the tools. They call him a nut. They, you know, you give a kid a million dollars, million dollars. Yeah, forget it. And you're like, well, he, he's stupid. He don't know. It's like, no, well, he didn't on. have the tools. Yeah. He didn't have a dad. They, he grew up in a, he has a poverty mindset. He grew up with no resources. And now you give him million, five million, ten million. 
Come on. Yeah. And that's that's the power of where we're at. That's the power. And of never in at. history. I mean, we, we this has never been like with the social media is just a whole nother ball game. It's it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. crazy how these kids. I think. I just real quick. I just want to touch on that because it not just happens to our youth. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, going into the San Diego Padres series and stuff, man. You should have seen the stuff on social media that my daughter and and you know Alex and people went through. It's crazy. It's crazy what's said. It's crazy how crazy people are. Yeah. And as adults, like we're getting ready to have this baseball camp here June 28th at Grossmont High School. He's a local kid from San Diego. He's giving back so much money right now in this community. And you know what people are saying on social media? I'm just going to I'm just yeah. going to say it. These pod, a lot of Padre fans and different people are just giving him the worst, the business about one having it at Grossmont, right? Because that's the alma mater of um, the, uh, the Padre pitcher. Yeah. And so he's like, I'm just here to help out. I just, I just want to help out. And the, we, we got threats that people are going to show up and cause drama. And it's like, wow, man, really? Like we're helping kids come support our camp. Cause we're going to give money directly back to your community. This kid has a heart for San Diego. Wow. And we're hosting that camp. And to see him go through that or see our other guys go through that, man, he's come on. Like, and then you take it to the junior high level where girls, I mean, girls are tough. It's tough, man. These kids get, these kids get bullied. It's real. And these kids are, these kids are taking their lives. Yes. It's happening. I know. The only thing is it's not being reported. No, it's not. It's not being reported. It wasn't being reported during COVID and people are talking about it a little bit, but you look at it right now, you see what's fat, what's, you see the symptoms of all this. Yes. And so. So, so we're trying to come in. I mean, we come in and we work transgender youth through like just different things. And it's amazing what people will say. And it's like, these human beings are committing suicide at a high rate after these surgeries. Yeah. And be why? Because they don't know who they are. They right. have no identity. The surgeries aren't going to fix nothing. The women aren't going to fix nothing. The booze, the drugs, it doesn't fix anything. Nope. It leaves us empty, broke. And that's the plan. The plan the ultimate plan is to kill, steal, and destroy. Yeah, yeah. I see. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it. I mean, the ultimate plan for my daughter isn't where she's at. Is to leave her on the corner. Yeah. Lost, yep. broken. Yep. Destitute. And so, that's the power of what me and you. That's the power that bears truth in our lives of what we're doing for youth. Man, giddy up! Put yep. me in the fight. Yep. That's why, like, it emerge. I've been so blessed to build that course out every year. You know, Charles come to me and said, Hey, we want you to build. I've bawled my eyes out there the last two years. Yeah, me too. I mean, people walk off that mountain. Me too. They're like, I'm, I'm changed. Like I've seen the most radical changes in leadership in kids one year. And, and do I have a minute? Just yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You're good. One, one year. Do you remember the, did you come, you came the year? Oh yeah. The year you broke it up, that the kid broke his arm out there Yes, and yeah. he went back out and, they prayed over him and he, he yeah, broke his arm I know. and he finished the course. He got back on and finished. Wasn't that Graham's kid? He went, they said, and, and, and this is what, oh, I can only tell you what I've heard before that incident, before emerge, before that conference at awaken, he was kind of a little poop head. Yeah. That's what I heard. Yeah. That after that conference, that kid went back, he's led, he's been a leader. He has just, I mean, changed wow. his life. The other kid that was crawling through the bear crawl, yeah. he goes, I can't do it. Yep. And they're like, what's your name? Yeah. Do you remember that? I do. And they started chanting his yeah. name out there in Big the bear kid, crawl. Big right? kid. And then what happened when they got in the tent? I was sitting right next yeah. to him. This is powerful. Yeah. I got goosebumps right I now. did too. 
and they go, what's your name in that tent with 3000 men or 2,500 or whatever it was. And he, and he just looked around like, my God, I have identity. Yeah. I have a name. This is who I am. Yeah. I'm not what they, right. Yeah. yeah. Last year. I mean, dude, kids just, I mean, dads bawling, yeah, oh, yeah. grabbing their sons, bawling their eyes out. Yeah. I had to, I had my, my eyes were sweating the whole time when we finished in the pool two years before that. Oh yeah. Cause they ran that course and they dropped in the pool and swam. And I had to turn my head because I watched men snag their men, their boys out of the, and I was like, God, thank you. Yeah. Thank you that you chose me to be a small, significant part. Yeah. And Charles will tell you that's not, that's not insignificant. You right. Know, he's, he's, oh, yeah. he's so hardcore. I'm he's like, amazing. well, thank you, Charles, for believing in me because man, the last two years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's the most powerful part of the, in the, in the whole weekend is so powerful. Yeah. That you can't even put a word on it. I, I'm so grateful for Awaken Church, uh, Colin Higginbottom, Charles Fuller, Jeff Forbes, those kind of people. Dr. Matt, Pastor Jurgen, All of them, right? John because, Heinrichs. I mean, look, John, John just. Samuel DeMuth. Dude, he loves me. I yeah. mean, do that. I, yeah. Those guys, I'll tell you, John, man, he just loves you where you're at. Yeah, He's yeah. a good dude. Tom. Yeah. All Tom these, Foster. All, all these men that have stepped in put me on my journey where I am right now. If it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for Awaken Conference, I would have never been to this point. Yep. Because God, whew, boy, he honed it. Yeah. He paid, he paid the, he put me back in my lane. Convergence. Convergence. He, he put right. me back in my lane. He put me in the lane that I was created to be. And, uh. Wow. I'm going to walk it. out of here to this morning and yeah. I'm going to go train these youth and I'll be lifted up by this, you know, by this interaction this oh, yeah. morning. I'm grateful that you, I'm honored that you even had me on here. I apologize. I uh, not apologize. I appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, I really do. Dude, it's been an honor. When I heard about you, you were highly recommended to come on and share this story, what you're doing for our youth. I don't think there's a more powerful thing that can be done right now in our society and our with the way things are going with social media, what we're up against, uh, suicides, uh, are up, you know, what happened over the past two years of the kids being segregated, masked yeah. up. Um, you know, we've, uh, we've got a lot of work to do here. Do. So for you to be on the front lines, man, and doing this and stepping into your calling and, yeah. and helping our youth, bro, I'm, I'm inspired big time by you. you. I'm so glad you came on the show. Thank you. Um, ladies and gentlemen, if you're a parent, it's so important. It's so important to love on your kids. And if you're going to put them in sports, don't just drop them off. Don't just leave them at the game. Show up. Yeah. You know, tell them you love them. Tell them you're proud of them. Stand in the gap. Stand in the gap. We they don't need a second coach, by the way. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't. Let <laughs> me don't, help you along there. And as a coach, don't badmouth their coach. Yeah. Right. Or their or their you know or their, their other players. players. And you know what? Deal. It happens, dude. And I can tell it happens. I can tell it happens on my team. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, that's not good because then you then you undermine, then you lose respect. Yeah. And then, and then you're shopping coaches. Your kids are shopping coaches. Yep, yep. You're transferring switching schools. Teams, switching and, schools. And that's that's what's happening right now. Yeah, yeah. I see it in uh, my daughter's softball. Yeah. People changing leagues, going over here, going over there, yeah. going over there. It's like, guys, relax. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Imagine Two. if you had that honed yeah. into a few teams, top level. Top level. Top level coaching. Yeah, we don't we don't need any more volunteers. We need high level. High level excellence. Excellence. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And that's what I think what... You know, I, I'm so grateful for Colin. Yeah, because Colin Higginbottom, that guy has uh, he is a champion. I'm looking forward to opening our location in Boise oh, this yeah, year dude. and having him. Just knowing he's there makes me go, "Let's go." It, Colin is the most inspiring yeah. guy that I've met in my life, yeah. which is saying a lot. Yeah. So, Colin Higginbottom, big ups, brother. We love you, man. Yeah. And that's a that's a Mr. Greg Howard, uh, One Family Athletics. 
if you're if you're in San Diego or wherever Utah, Idaho, and you want to be a part of this organization, if you've got some money, want to put something behind it, if you want to mentor, contact uh, Greg via the show. He'll put we'll put up his contact information. Get a part of this organization if you've been inspired. I got a lot of pre- professional athletes that I'm friends with now that watch the show and listen to it. So if you guys want to get involved as mentors, we'd love to have you. We'd love that. Yeah, we'd love, we'd love it. That. So. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Real Deal Talk, Greg Howard, one fa- one family athletics, Real Deal Talk, that's a wrap. Uh, yeah. There we go. Peace. We out.